This is the MLW Radio Network. The following podcast is brought to you in part by Front Row Material. And here's your host, the substitute teachers you never knew you wanted or needed, Mr. Mike Freeland and Mojo Riverfish. Let the discussion begin as soon as that bell rings. Wow, what a way to start off the show. I'm muted. I start talking and my mic is muted. Unbelievable. Only here would you find somebody that unprofessional. My name is Mike Freeland. I am joined by the writ himself. What's going on, buddy? How you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good, Freeland. Uh, man, only in FRM pod fashion would we start a show where no one can hear us. Yeah, and in some ways that might be the the best case scenario uh, on Tuesday night. But we do appreciate you coming in and uh, and listening to the show and joining us tonight. We have a big show. Is that not right, Rick? Uh, Big would be an understatement. Uh, This is, oh man, this is like one of the best things, best guests we could have on here. We can't get more extreme than this man. I agree. If you've been uh, paying attention to our social media, you have noticed that tonight we are having on the homicidal, genocidal, suicidal wrestler known around the world as Sabu. So it's going to be a very interesting conversation we're going to have with Sabu tonight. Can't wait to get into a whole bunch of things with him, with his time at ECW. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about FMW as well. We're going to be talking about his uncle, the Sheik, and uh, getting some very interesting stories from the road and what's going on with him these days now that uh, we haven't seen him for quite a while. Man, this man here has been every promotion up and down, uh, WCW, ECW, TNA, he had a stint, MLW, WWE, not once, but twice. Uh, Man, I just, I can't wait. Uh... Man, Freeland, I got to say, you had me nervous by not knowing <laughs> if you were 100% ready because I cannot do this without you, my friend. Hey, well, I tell you what, it's a, it's a team effort, and uh, I've, I've been watching you. I've been watching you uh, on the Cult of Beardo, and I tell you what, you you really do a heck of a job. I don't think people give you the credit you rightfully deserve. And with, with being the type of uh, broadcaster that you are, I almost think that we need to give you a nickname. I feel like, I mean, we got the writ, we do, but I think there needs to be another nickname for you. So if anybody wants to come up with a with a, an additional nickname or a side nickname for the writ, uh, I actually have one that I'm going to debut tonight of you. So just going to let you know, hold on. And before the show goes off the air, you definitely uh, know what my new nickname for you is going to be. Okay, I, I can't wait. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting week here in wrestling. A lot of different things have been happening, you guys, uh, in the world of WWE, obviously also in Impact Wrestling, also in AEW as well. Um, so, so many different things we're going to jump into tonight. So many different topics. We want you to join into the conversation as well. Uh, all you got to do is throw your question into the chat. We'd be more than happy to go ahead and address that. But we are going to be having our guests joining us just momentarily. So what I want to do here, if I can, let me uh, pull this up real quick. 
me see here. Oh, but, 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 you know, here's me. Here's me trying to, to run this stuff, run the automation as if we don't already have a technical producer here. So producer in the truck, that is Big Daddy Beardo. Let's throw ourselves to just a short, short break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by our guests. So don't go anywhere more front row material when we return. Did you know in this country there is currently a global pandemic in which men are being unclosed and mooching for t-shirts as well as using their dead relative's chair. For as little as $5 a week, you can prevent this man from continuing to use a dead relative's chair, as well as going unclothed and mooching for merchandise from other podcasts and superstars. Please donate what you can at frmpod at gmail.com. You know, I brought us back a little early from this break. I, I have to ask you a question. Do you have, like, a football team peeing around you? What, what, what do you have with you? I hear a lot of sounds, Rick, coming from your area. I thought it was somebody else one week, but it wasn't. What is that noise? You're a waterfall installed into your house? Uh, that is my turtle tank. That is just moating mere feet away your turtle tank yes i would not expect a man like you with beardage that you have to have a turtle tank so can you explain to me a why you have a turtle tank and why does it sound like the ymca merely feet away from you uh well there are two redier sliders they are my sons uh it's it's calming uh, I love, you know, just to watch him swim. So, and it's just, I don't know, it's more, it's more of a relaxing thing where I can just sit back, watch him, you know, listen to the water, and let the stress go away. So, is it successful in its attempts to relax you? Uh, except for right now, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So you're you're a little uh, you're a little amped up right now, aren't you? A little amped up, a little amped up, a little pumped. Uh, so, so before we before he comes on here, let me ask you a question here. What was your first experience being exposed to Sabu? What was the very first moment that you saw him on TV, and when did you realize this guy is something I have to see? Oh, it would have to be uh, ECW was when I first uh, watched him, and oh my god, it was. It was just crazy, uh, just just watching what he does in his matches, and it's just over the top uh, antics, outside the ring, inside the ring. Uh, I loved it when he had Bill Alfonso with him. Yes, that, that that just took it to the next level, and man, it just it just can't get any better. There's something about. Sabu that I think is is super, super unique because we just got done watching the John Moxley, Kenny Omega, lights out, unsanctioned, uh, barbed wire exploding match. And, and I know a lot of people have not showed that match as much love as they should. And 
Sabu is one of those guys who's competed in matches just like that. Very, very um, difficult matches to pull off in front of an audience. But he's done it, and he's done it well, and he's done it over the years, and we can't wait to bring him in. So right now, let us, let's bring him in. He is with the genie as well. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for carving out some time tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So we were just kind of introducing uh, everybody who may not be, and uh, to those very few people far between who are not familiar with everything that you've done in wrestling. You have carved yourself out an amazing career. Uh, looking back in 2021, could you ever imagine that you've done and accomplished all the things you have? Uh, yeah, because I haven't really accomplished wanted to what are some He's things humble. you was humble and modest i was just about to say very very humble with that um genie let me ask you this question as well i mean your career has been incredible as well not only in wrestling but in bodybuilding as well would you say looking back at your career you're very happy with the uh with the work that you put out there as well well you know you can always do better uh, i worked with what i could within like how the businesses work and I, you know i think i did pretty well i kept my own dignity and i i got pretty far of course it's been like really great working with sabu you know because we've been all over the, the country and he kind of goes to his own beat of his drum and i do too so we were very much alike in that that those respects he's had his integrity i have mine you know he doesn't let himself get pushed around i don't either so it's, it's kind of a perfect matchup. We understand each other at that level. So yeah, things have been great. Bodybuilding, I did really well. And I was like ninth in the world at one point. And wow. you know, working with Sabu has put me in a high, highly publicized position as well. So it's fantastic. Absolutely. So yeah. before, we, before we kind of jump in here real quick, just want to kind of ask you guys, how has life been the last 12 months? I know we've been struggling with the, the pandemic situation that hasn't been easy on anybody. How have you guys been doing with all of that? How's your friends and family hanging in there? Uh, we ain't dealing with that good. As you know, uh, she had an infection in her leg and she had to get her uh, left leg amputated. So for that, uh, it's been a pretty bad year. Yeah. That's a that's a tough one. That's a very, very difficult thing to, to have to go through. Yeah, she, um, she didn't deserve it. It came out of nowhere. It wasn't like uh, she got a cut on her foot or stepped on a nail. It was nothing like that. She had a pain in her calf and went in and they had to amputate her leg. Wow. I know that's that's got to be very, very difficult to, to, to even think about, Jeannie. Um, it's awful. And, yeah. and the thing is, it's above the knee. And the worst part is, you know, if, you, if you're if you amputated below your knee, that's not a big deal because they give you a prosthesis mm -hmm. and, you know, your tibia doesn't move. The only thing is it's a little difficult with a non-moving ankle. But, you know, I have to try to work with a mechanical knee. And yeah. it, it could take me close to a year to learn to walk again. So uh, I don't think it'll take her that long, but they say it could take up to a year to learn to walk. But she's getting, she's getting good at it now. It, it's, it's very difficult. Very difficult. It's, it's more difficult than I thought it would be. It's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> I think as much as it is physical, like you had mentioned before, a lot of it's psychological. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you tend to think that um, something like this doesn't happen you know, to someone like myself, I take care of myself. I'm in great shape and, you know, I'm a world-class athlete, but these things can really kind of pop out of nowhere, just like Sabu said. Well, unfortunately, I had gone to a doctor like three months before this happened and uh, I have a family history of DVT. So the problem is the doctor 
did a Doppler, a venous Doppler, but ignored my arteries. And the problem is my blockages were in my arteries. So, you know, if that doctor had only asked for both Dopplers, they would have caught this problem. I would not have gotten to this point. So it's, for me, it's, it's, it's really uh, extremely horrible because I did do the right thing. I went to a doctor when I felt my calf, you know, being in pain when I would walk. And pretty much anyone I've talked to since there says, well, of course, if you're walking, it's obviously an artery problem. You know, th this doctor, you know, missed it. And for two years, I've had pain in this leg. And my, my regular doctor who I had in Georgia, you know, I lived in Georgia 13 years before we moved here. You know, he didn't even, they, they all look at me and say, oh, you're young, you're in shape. You know, of course, it's just a muscle pull. That, that's, that's what they all said to me. They, they all thought I was being silly. And then it turns out to be every single artery in my leg is clotted up. Um, and they couldn't, it was so clotted up that my foot was already dying. My calf had been dying at least a month from what I was told by other doctors. So, you know, I was just sitting there like a, a time bomb, you know, and it's, I, I got like these photo shoots I did when I still had two legs, you know, that were shortly before I ended up having this amputation. It makes me sick because, you know, during that entire time and I never would have guessed it, my calf was actually dying and I was just in a horrible position because my leg looked normal it still looked good it was muscular you know but you know suddenly uh in the uh, beginning of october like i had super stress from covid my family's up in canada and of course the border's been screwed up i could go home if i wanted but you know it was just horrible it was like such a stressful period so then i i go through that then i'm sick and it turns out i had an ulcer <laughs> i developed an ulcer yeah, during covid a number of things and then, uh, and then finally my foot started to get cold. So it was like just a horrible October. And next thing I know I'm in the ER and they're telling me I'm probably gonna have to have my leg amputated. You know, I held it off as long as possible because um, I think there's plenty of things they could have done to, to help me. Um, but uh, that's a different story. I won't say the hospital I was at, but they seem to, to lack a lot of, uh, I don't know, they seem to- well, well, that's been our 2021. They seem to not, treat people all that well and for me it was like um abuse and neglect <laughs> and i couldn't have any visitors sabu couldn't come to visit so i'm just stuck in there sick as everything and i you know i'm supposed to remember everything the doctors are telling me and make choices and i'm sick and on pain medicine you know it was horrible everybody wow. was focused on covid so I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody else who had heart problems or other things, they probably got ignored and there's probably way more deaths because everybody was focused on COVID. If you didn't have COVID, forget it. They're not going to focus on you. Yeah. Right. So it was horrible, you know, and I bet you there's a huge raise in people who, who died during this from other things rather than COVID because we were all getting ignored. Right. I, it's, it's, I give you a ton of credit because I don't know how I would respond to something like that. Uh, I don't think really any of us could. I mean, it takes a lot of courage for you to not only share your story, but express how you feel. And because I think a lot of people would just say, I don't want to talk about it, but I give you a ton of credit for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I didn't really want to. Honestly, I just wanted to like sort of disappear, go up to Canada, learn to walk my leg, just quietly get away from the business. But, you know, a good, a good prosthesis, like a leg that, I could feel as close to normal as possible. They're a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and uh, obviously, um, you know, even though my entire background has been bodybuilding and wrestling, everything I do requires two legs and two legs that are in shape. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it, it's a mess. I'm going to continue to do some wrestling because I have a lot of, you know, a lot of fans are, you know, I'll, um, 
you know, motivating me and stuff. So it's nice to hear from everybody. But, you know, if I can get the position where I can get like uh, one of those really good legs, you know, that would be fantastic. Right now I have what is called a starter leg and it's just a hydraulic knee and it's very hard to walk with. We'll get into that later. Yeah. So, but yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I think you're, you are definitely an inspiration. You're very well-spoken when it comes to something like this. I, oh, thank you. I, try. I think, I think, I think if there's one thing that you can take away from this, has anybody ever reached out to you, other people who've gone through some similar things who may need someone to talk to and Jeannie, how are you facing it? I think that's definitely a, a moment that you could definitely be a huge impact in people's lives. Yeah, well, well, I'm new at this, of course, you know, so I mean, I've had several people who had amputee legs contact me, uh, like a lot of them. And because I, I guess now they've like, who never talked to me before, but I, I guess now because I've gone through something similar, I, you know, they have something in common that I guess they thought they wouldn't have with someone like me or um, you know, they want to help me, I guess, because most of the people I've talked to, they, you know, they've been amputated for a few years, or they tell me their grandfather went through having his leg amputated. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, they say I'm an inspiration, but, you know, my choices, honestly, at the time were death or have my leg chopped off. So, of course, what are you going to choose? You're going to have your leg chopped off. But that's, that's pretty much what I was told. Things had gone Absolutely. too far, and I was either going to die because my leg was dying from the way up, and I was going to get septus, which would I died from, or cut my leg off. So I, I kind of sat there in the hospital for 10 days before I allowed them to do it because, uh, you know, I wanted to save my leg. My entire career has been based off, you know, my body and how it functions and how it looks. So um, it's been rough, but, you know, I always try to look at the bright side. So absolutely um, glad to be out of pain though. I mean, I'm still in pain because it hurts, you know, it hurts because I have a big suture across the bottom of my leg and, and phantom pain is no joke. I don't know if you've heard of that. Like it's incredibly like, um, you feel like you still have a leg when you don't. So I still feel toes. I still feel like my knee is seized up. I have pain in my calf and sometimes it's stabbing pain and there's no leg there anymore. But this is something very common. Everyone who's had an amputation goes through. Like I, I know Jimmy Rave had to have his, uh, his arm amputated. And I read some of his posts like, you know, it's awful because he can't tie his shoes. Let's get out. So, okay. Anyway, he wants to change the subject, but it, it, it's rough. It's tough, but you know, I can deal with it. I always have. So, so you know, obviously, this is uh, definitely a, an injury and in, in something that's happened in life. But wrestling in general has its own form of injuries as well. And I know Sabu, you you yourself have endured a tremendous amount of injuries, but you are one of those people who are just kind of keep on going. How would you describe the things that you've gone through from an injury standpoint, and yet you've still been able to perform at a very, very high level? Would you say it's just, I have an incredibly high tolerance for pain, or that's just the kind of work ethic that's been kind of indoctrinated into me? I got a high tolerance for, I don't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> no matter what I feel, the fans are still going to say, I want my money's worth. No matter how bad I feel, they're going to want their money's worth. So, and I feel the same. If I'm paying for something, I want to get my money's worth. So uh, it's, I don't give a fuck if I'm hurt. Uh, I still got to perform. He's tough. He's tough until I have to pop a, a pimple off his back or something. Then he cries like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. We all know your your uncle, the original Sheik, uh, is a legend as well. Um, kind of tell me a little bit about how, when you first started getting into wrestling, what were some of the very first things that he 
had told you about the, the industry and what are some things that maybe he didn't say verbally, but you picked up on? Well, he, he never smartened me up. Like when I had a kid and all that, I, was, I wasn't smartened up until I was 19, you know, but I wasn't around the business either. I ambitioned wrestled for five years and then, uh, uh, and then I started pro wrestling when I was 19 and I had my first match when I was 21. So he only smartened me up then, but he never told me it was a work. Like, of course I knew that. He had to say, don't kill each other. You know, he was like, ease up, ease up. And, and he never told me to, to not punch the guy. He just told me to ease up. And then eventually he, he'd tell me not to punch the guy. He didn't, he didn't smart me up in the first session. <laughs> so you kind of figured that out on your own, um, yeah, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. What was the what was the family's response to, to having someone like your uncle uh, in wrestling? Was there other family members that were big supporters of this, or was this something that... Yeah, we all, our whole family and, you know, cousins and uncles and all that shit, we, we all thought the Sheik was great. We all went to the, the wrestling matches. But I studied them. They, they, they just watched because he was famous and we happened to know him. And But I watched him because I wanted to be like him. You know, so I, I studied him. I didn't just watch him. What would you say is the biggest thing that you've taken away from being under his tutelage, and if there's one thing in your career you can say, hey, you know what, I attribute this to well, what he, he's he given me. He, he let me forge my own, own path. Not at first he didn't. My first five years, I was Terry SR, uh, Terry Nobody. So, so that didn't matter who I was because people are not going to know about that later on. So he, I had to teach. I, I, had a, I learned all the stuff a first-match guy would know, a regular wrestler would know. And then when I was, after I became Sabu, he said, now, now be yourself. We're... we're um, where I, I kind of bent the rules. Uh, I didn't break them yet, but but I came close. And then when I went to Japan, I broke the rules. So a young, a young Sabu heads on over to Japan. Uh, had that been the first time you'd ever been over there uh, when you started wrestling? Oh, yeah. I've never been there before. I wouldn't have no reason to be there. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was for the wrestling. They, they, Onita and Tarzan Goto called my uncle, and they wanted him in a tag team tournament. And they didn't care who his partner was, just anybody. He was, well, I'll bring my nephew. They said, it don't matter. So when I got there, they didn't think I was his nephew, and they didn't care how good I was. So that I was good, it was a pleasant surprise. So I went out, I wrestled like, uh, you know, like I do now. And uh, they, they, got, they, got, they said, no way are you the Sheik's nephew, uh, Sheik's nephew because I don't wrestle like the Sheik. But I was, and, and it got over. Yeah, they went the Flying Magician. Yeah, they, they called me the Flying Magician or the Arabian Houdini of hardcore. <laughs> so when it comes to something like that, did you get um, any grief from anybody? I mean, obviously being the relative of somebody in the industry, because I know sometimes that can that can come across, you know, all yeah, you know, I agree. The... I agree. But my first few years, we didn't tell anybody I was the Sheik's nephew. No, we never told anybody I was his, I was his nephew until I went to Japan. Before that, this was, was you know, his uh, bodyguard. Wow. They didn't think I was really related. And we never told anybody. It was none of anybody's business. But when, they, when he said to Onita, I'll bring my nephew, he said that so Onita would trust that I was good. And Onita right. said, we don't care how good he is. Just bring anybody. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so that, that first trip over there, any jitters? I mean, as far as going over oh, there? Yeah. and yeah. What my uncle told me to do uh, was wrestle like I, I don't think he's watching me. Which meant was when I was in the, at his house wrestling, we, we stuck very strict to traditional wrestling, scientific wrestling. But when he wasn't looking, we started doing these flying things and some crazy things. And when he come back, we'd string back up again. 
So we didn't <laughs> really think he could see us. So he told me, when you think I'm not watching, wrestle when you think I'm not watching. And, and so that's what I did. I, I wrestled and did all the moves where I thought he wasn't watching, but, but he was. Which was, wow. you know, uh, Arabian Press and all the other shit I invented. And that was just kind of something you carved out on your own to, to kind of create yeah. your own persona and this is my style and this is my calling card. Yeah, he didn't force me to, to, to fit into a mold. He, he let me forge my own path. At first he didn't. He first taught me the basics. First five years of basics. Then he said, now, now be yourself. And that's what I was. Sabu's not really a gimmick. Uh, in, in real life, I don't like talking. Like right now, I'm tongue-tied and I'm nervous and I don't like talking. Uh, so Sabu's not a, a someone who talks and that's my real personality. And I, I mostly prove myself with my action, which is how I do in real life. I prove myself with my actions. Try to. It, it seems like it's one of these things, and I know a lot of fans probably would agree with me. There are certain performers who, like yourself, take it very, very seriously, not because it's it's just your career, um, but it's really who you are as a person, and this is in your family, and this is in your bloodline, and it runs much deeper. Do you feel like in a lot of ways, wrestlers today, uh, and this goes to you as well, Jeannie, take this as seriously, and it, they are impassioned about it and want to protect it as much as they want to become a YouTube sensation or they want to get Instagram followers. How much is passion and how much nowadays is, you know what, I can't wait to see how many likes I can get on a post. <laughs> it's all about how many likes and how many followers you have nowadays, which doesn't necessarily prove, which doesn't necessarily prove the popularity of someone. I mean, I can't imagine, like, honest to God, I can't imagine taking pictures of myself all day long and posting stuff. I'm just not that conceited. <laughs> and he for sure isn't. You know, so, I mean, we like to have a private life. He's very private. I like my life private, too. But nowadays, uh, you're really not allowed to do that. And to me, there's no real true stars left in the world because you got reality TV with complete schmucks we're, making we're, we're it. So you, approachable. You know, By the average person, we're so approachable. You, you ruin that, that uh, what mystique. it is, the aura, the mystique. Yeah. You, 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 you lose that enigma of who you are and why you're a movie star, why you're a star. When you're sitting there just trying to connect with so many people and you have complete jabronis messaging you and insulting you and people who are complete, you know, nasty people who, who couldn't do a thing with their life if, 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 you know, they were given it. And now they're, they're taught now to go, oh, I just need to attract attention. So I'll be a dickhead and I'll get on reality TV and have all these followers. And then you got someone like Sabu uh, with all his skills and all his innovation, everything he's done. But, you know, he's not a big uh, ass kisser and, and he's not like uh, a jerk about himself. So I only got about 6,000 followers on Twitter and about 9,000 on Instagram. Yeah, but he originally had a Twitter with 30,000 followers uh, and then some schmuck uh, went and complained, you know, because <laughs> yeah, you never know who's going to get kicked off Facebook. If you say something about Bill Gates, you know, like I know Gorgeous George said something about some of them political and got kicked off for 30 days. I mean, who's controlling this stuff, you know? And then you get like some complete schmuck who was on Facebook saying, I got Sabu kicked off yeah. Twitter. And this guy was holding this huge teddy bear and he just looked like an absolute goof. And you got someone like that causing problems for Sabu. This isn't right. This makes no sense. And it's garbage. Yeah. But I called him a few names. I deserved it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, he sounds a little bit like the iron Sheik sometimes and he somehow kicked <laughs> He somehow keeps his Twitter, you know, but Sabu got like all kinds of heat and got kicked yeah, off. Yeah, he keep his Twitter talking like that? Yeah, I mean, it's not fair. you know, it's no fair. And so for some of the people who've been kicked off, uh, some of the people who've been kicked off Facebook, Facebook jail or whatever, 
they were just expressing political things or I mean like anyways it's messed up it's really messed up well today they, they, they get, to me the, the new wrestlers are not future stars because they're just trying to one up each other and kind of copy each other you know they're not trying to stand out by themselves oh no, I agree well and Sabu I, I'm glad that I'm not the only one here nervous uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear you're nervous too. But uh, you know, well, once you came back from uh, from Japan, what uh, did did uh, you watch ECW or did they contact you or uh, how that? Uh, my, my referee before he was my referee said you should see, see Eddie Gilbert in Philadelphia. He runs this company called ECW, and I go, Nah, Eddie Gilbert wouldn't like me. So um, I was talking to Paul at the same time and Todd Gordon, and Todd Gordon brought me in. And Paul wanted to use me for another company, but wasn't invented yet. But instead, I, I happened to be in ECW the same day Paul was, and the same day Eddie, Eddie Gilbert got fired and Paul took over. So that was like a, that just happened. It wasn't a plan. What was, I, what was the question? They said, did you know about ECW or how did No, I, I didn't know about ECW. It was just an accident. I called them to get booked. Yeah, he was just taking another book. I, I actually called them. You know. I called Todd Gordon. Okay, and, and and then when you got there, like, I've read the books, and, and Paul tried to throw this horrible gimmick on you. Like, what were your thoughts What were your thoughts on that gimmick? No, I didn't like it. It wasn't really horrible. It worked. I liked the effect what it did to the fans, but it was too much work, and, and it wasn't my idea, and it was done before. You know, the I wrestled with a guy in Japan, uh, Dr. Luther, and he did the Hannibal Lecter gimmick. Oh, and he, yeah, he wore a straight jacket, wore a mask, and uh, chased people around the arena. That's what he did, you know. But I did a little bit different, you know. I, I actually actually chased him down and chased him down and scared the shit out of him. But mm -hmm. but uh, uh, I, I didn't like it because it wasn't my idea and it was too much work. At by the time I got out of those chains, I was so tired I could barely wrestle. Mm -hmm. How much would but you say? I did like the effect. Well, and I think like anything, and I think you both will agree on this, it's how much the performer is willing to commit themselves to it. And I think if you commit yourself, you will you can get just about anything over if you believe in well, it. Do you agree that's with the way that? I kind of look at it. That's where they confuse liking with commitment. You know, if I right. if I try real hard, they confuse that with liking something. Is this I try real hard because I'm a professional. And so when he chained me up, I said, I hate this, but I'm gonna do the best I can at it. And same with barbed wire. When I first had a barbed wire match, I go, I don't know nothing about this, but I'm gonna be the best at it, you know, but, uh, or or good, good at it, not the best at it. I just want to be good at it and better than the next guy, you know, better than the matches I've seen of barbed wires where they look super fake. So I figured uh, I could one up them, and I'll never see one again. And then I seen a bunch of them afterwards. I thought I think you. I thought, uh, I thought if I tried hard, they wouldn't put me in them again. What? How many did you have with FMW? Uh, probably uh, twenty-five or thirty. Like, yeah, when you, every match became a barbed wire match for him at FMW yeah. after that. When, so. when you think about this, I mean, you know, your mentality and your work ethic is the epitome of really what you should have. Hey, they're going to give me this. I need to make the best out of this that I can. And I need to sell this to the point where it's believable. I think nowadays there's a lot of people, and, and you both can jump in on this, where if there is a character or if there is something that the performer doesn't want to do, there seems to be a lot of pushback from them. What do you it's think about that? Different. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very bothersome when you see something like that, especially when you guys, you know, you guys are the type of people who 
hey, this is what I have to do. This is my job. My job is to get it over. And my job isn't to complain about whether I like it or not. You weren't necessarily thrilled, but it worked for you. Um, I think that's a true testament, though. I agree. It's, it's exactly what I, how I thought about it. You know, no matter what I faced with, I was going to try hard at it. Even if I hated it, I was still going to try hard at it. I don't mean I like it. This means I'll try hard. I'm professional. My first match I ever seen uh, of, of yours was uh, was a barbed wire match where the yeah. one where you cut your artery. And in, that was the first match you've seen of me, was that? With Terry Funk? Yes. <laughs> and, you should have picked a different one. Uh, but man, the, the, just the just you trying to you know going through and you told Bill give me and you just taped yourself up and you just you just kept going and I'm like, man, this is like, th this is great because I look at it now and it's like, man, you, you just like you said earlier, you just wanted to give give the fans what they paid for and you wanted to see and there was no stopping you. There was nobody else who had ever taken that type of pain and, and completed a match. Well, yeah, I can't I, think of anyone else in the business. Terry Funk might have. Can't Maybe, but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think anyone comes close to uh, his ability to take punishment and finish a match and give his all no matter what for the fans. He doesn't get enough credit with that. Like, you know, uh, there's been some people complaining, like, if he's having a bad day and he's not really polite. But honestly, most people, like, know him as the nicest, uh, coolest <laughs> guy around, you know. Like, he's a professional all around, you know. He's been, it's been really great working with him and going to Japan. We've gone to Japan, Australia, UK. So, you know, I, I mean, I had invites to Japan when I was still working at developmentals and that, but I couldn't go because I was at the developmentals. But um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure being around the world with Sabu. And he, he's so respected everywhere he goes. Like he's, he's so respected, you know, it's, it's always really enjoyable. People are super cool. And, nice to us and you know I, i've been lucky that he he chose me to work with him so i could You're not uh, that nice on twitter to me though yeah <laughs> well i think on twitter you just got nobodies who are looking to cause a fight and sometimes sabu pays mm -hmm. too much attention to people he shouldn't but you know it's a little hard when when you're just getting bombarded by like crazy people who are just trying to like they purposely i tell him a lot of times i can tell when people are trying to draw him into something <laughs> so i'm like ignore the guy he's trying to draw you into something to make you look bad in front of like uh, VIPs, you know, and Sabu is very honest. I mean, like uh, he was making a judgment on this certain girl in the business who was suplexing guys that made absolutely no sense. And uh, you know, that's not believable, you know, that's just doesn't work. So he expressed his opinion that it made no sense that she was suplexing three guys. And then, uh, some people took this as a big insult and then you got people trying to say blah, blah, blah to him. Why'd you say that about that girl? And I'm like, do you, are you really going to act like, you know, match psychology better I than I Sabu? Did, I didn't say it about a girl. Like, I said it about a wrestler. Yeah. But, um, you know what I mean? Like you, you have these no, fans, absolutely. Like, are you kidding me? You think, you know, you think you're going to tell me, you know, wrestling psychology better than Sabu. And then they shut right up because well, it seems like what they're saying. You know. It seems like anybody with a microphone or anybody with a smartphone seems to grow huge amounts of confidence behind yes behind a keyboard. And the reality is, they could not be any further from that. Um, kind of piggybacking on the comment that that the writ made about your injuries. I mean, this is kind of a generalized question, but going into a match. 
do you already accept the consequences of obviously whatever is to happen? Or do you go and do it thinking, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go this far. I'm going to toe the line, but I'm going to make sure I don't go any further. Or is it really just a situation of wherever the moment takes me? It's where the moment takes you. You know, I never say uh, I'm not going to do something. Now I may not have it in mind and I don't do it because it slips my mind, but it's never a, I don't feel like doing something, not something that I'm trademarked or something that I think people want to see. So no matter the situation, I still try to get it. I forgot what he said. No, no, he's just very perceptible. He feels the crowd and, and he'll, he'll do what he needs to do to get the right reactions from the crowd. Like, you know, uh, Sabu doesn't go over his matches, like uh, memorize move for move, like a lot of stuff that happens at WWE. He feels everything, and he knows how to get people into positions. If they follow his body and what he's doing, and and they're trained enough, they will know how to go with him. So Sabu leads people through matches without even talking to them. You know, he can talk to them, but he knows how to he knows how to take people and make them put him in a hold when it's really him doing all the work. Like he's fantastic to work with. Like people love so much working with him. But I mean, he does not memorize matches. He goes with what he feels from the crowd, and he, and he carries with it. You know, he, he draws them in with what he does and, you know, he can have a match with anybody and make them look good and he doesn't need to speak or plan spots beforehand. Yeah, I, I, it's one thing I don't like about today's wrestling. You can tell it's, it's overly choreographed. Plus, I was there. I know how WWE is. It's all choreographed, every bit of it, and it, it takes the art out of it. So speaking of Sabu of uh, not planning uh, matches out and stuff, there's a certain match that I was talking to Jerry Lynn about uh, where you guys were working and something went wrong and somebody landed on the sheet. Uh, oh, want, to, yeah. want to care to tell about that story? Yeah, we were at uh, Halloween Havoc 90-something, uh, uh, late 96 or something. And uh, uh, I did a moonsault out of the ring on the Jerry Lynn with my uncle as my manager. And he had even had a sword. And he happened, he didn't, my uncle didn't know what I was doing, so he went up to grab the Jerry Lynn. And then when I flipped back, he didn't know I was coming back, and I knocked him and my uncle down, knocked my uncle and Jerry down, and I actually broke the Sheik's leg. Oh, wow. leg. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> he died how long after that? Uh, a couple years after that. But was still oh, a couple right. years. Yeah. Oh, it never healed. When it comes to some of these injuries that, that you're talking about, and, and there is a, a plethora of them, was there any situation or any injury that you literally in the back of your mind behind closed doors went, holy shit, this, this, this is not whatsoever what I thought would end up coming out of this. Did you ever actually get a little fearful of what could happen uh, with a bad injury? Yeah. When I, uh, when I had got my neck broken by Chris Benoit, he threw me up and I landed on my head, you know, as soon as I hit, uh, I go, this ain't what I paid for. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. You know, I, I scared the shit on me. Plus, I couldn't walk very good. My legs were rubber. I, had, I felt like I had a bone sticking out of my neck back then. It was a hot nerve. And uh, that scared the shit out of me. Plus, you know, but then I got over it fast because I, I went to Japan for five weeks, two weeks later. You took two weeks off or less? And I took two weeks off because I was had any matches. But I had an ECW match, and then two weeks later, I had a New Japan match. Well, FMW and then New Japan. I, I jumped in New Japan in the same tour. I had to wrestle with a, a neck brace on we're going to get into some FMW stuff as well, because that is just <laughs> when you look at the body of work that FMW is, I do not think a lot of people truly appreciate what FMW was. And there are some people who watch it and can understand it. 
Um, but it is literally, it's a work of passion. And, and that's basically what I think it, it really was. But let me kind of go backwards here with the with the neck injury. Was there anyone who who asked you after that match was over, hey, are you okay? Or was there any oh, yeah. indication that maybe I should get checked out or? Well, well I, I did. I went to the hospital and actually Chris Benmo went with me. My, my referee went to me. Yeah, everybody said I had to be talked into the hospital. And then, then I took the ambulance ride there and then uh, they were going to fit me for a halo. And uh, we left. We took off before they could come back. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I just wow. went off with a neck brace. Crazy. And I wore a neck brace for, another, for about a year. So was there any concern running through your mind that, hey, I, I could potentially be paralyzed if I take another yeah. fall? Yeah, I was scared, but I was trying to fake it. You know, I was trying to say I'm not scared, but I was scared. But uh, I, I just trusted my, I wasn't going to land on my head again. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't that worried about it, but but it was still in the back of my mind because I know I'm not going to land on my head like that again. If somebody mentioned something like that, I'm going to probably say no or sit out on him. <laughs> Sabu is also very spiritual, you know, so I think he just trusts he's going to be guided in the right position. Like we actually, he actually gets, wants to pray before we go out and do a match. So that's something probably not too many people know about him. But, yeah, he's actually very spiritual. I know about that. Some, Christian, if you want to call it Catholic. Something some a lot of people don't want to talk about, but because it is a part of, of your career, um, outside of the incident itself, what was it like working with Chris? Uh, did you find Chris to have that same level of professionalism? Um, oh, yeah, he, he was he was good. He was real good. I think he's a little too stiff with the chops, but other than that, he was a he was a professional. He he actually uh, thought too much about everything, you know. Like the next move, he'd sit there and study, think about something, and, and like for five minutes, he'd go by, go, how about this? And he would, no, no, no. And five minutes later, he'd go by, go, how about this? He go, no, no, no. I said, skip it. He goes, no, no, no. So twenty minutes later, he finally finally says, okay, headlock or something. Right, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like that too. Have a pain in the ass to go over a match. But they're very professional, and I can't complain really because uh, they're just doing it for the benefit of the match, a good match, and, and that's our job. So you're going through all these things. Your career is really starting to take off. People are recognizing you for um, your aerial assaults and your classic moves that nowadays are basically copied in every promotion there is. I mean, you can look at a match and you can see, okay, where they got that from. Um, did you realize at the time, or was there a moment in time when you realized, I'm kind of being a trendsetter here? I know you're humble and you're modest, but did you ever realize, okay, I can clearly see people are paying attention and this is starting to spread? Well, yeah. When uh, uh, after like probably 95 or 96, everybody and their mother was wearing uh, Sabu pants, baggy pants. Like every new wrestler on the scene had a pair of pants like mine. Yeah. So, yeah, when I seen that, I go, oh, shit. And my uncle said I should have got the table move patented. I don't know if there's a way to do that, but he said I should have. <laughs> yeah. I seen, uh, I could tell, once I broke that, once Paul let someone else break the table, when I told him not to, because I didn't want, I, he was supposed to protect my gimmick. He didn't. When I wasn't there, he let other guys break the table. And when he did that, they couldn't stop him. That was like open the floodgates. One guy did it, and they couldn't stop him. And that became our style. We did it in every match almost. Mention about WWE and the Hardys. Yeah, when I was in WWE, like I had a bunch of moves I invented, and I like went to jump off the chair once, and they said you can't do that anymore. I go, oh, go. I go, well, why? And they said that's Jeff Hardy's spot. I said, well, I invented that. He goes, uh, not, not here. here. <laughs> 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 so it's my move. It's not mine there because if they if they came up with it. 
I don't know if the Hardys ever gave you the credit for that either. Yeah, Jeff did. Jeff did? Yeah. I think it's a shame, especially in that specific promotion, that if it didn't happen under that tent, under the tutelage of their people, it didn't happen at all. It's as if it was erased from history. And I think that is incredibly disrespectful to a ton of performers who just because they did not spend a large majority of their time there, or it was their idea, that they give credit where credit is due. Do you think a lot of people feel some animosity towards that company for that reason? Well, yeah, like uh, they, they have an agent or a producer involved in the match, and actually they get credit or heat if the match is any good or not. Excuse me. <laughs> you know, so they're there going over it. Like I, I was completely against it. Having somebody involved in my match who's not involved in my match, you know, having somebody listen to it who's not involved in my match. I don't like telling even the boys in the dressing room my moves until I do them in the ring. I just, I don't know why. I just don't. You know, so I hate telling another guy. Uh, so like like Dean Malenko or one of those guys would be an agent, and I would tell them wrong shit, and then I change it in the ring, and they would get heat for it. Well, I got heat for it too, but I I'll say no, that ain't what I said. He misunderstood me because they write down every move, make it completely choreographed, take all the fun out of it, and they could make it they make it work. They turn it into work. It went to be like you're being fun, having art, but you're out there working, working your ass off, and doing a move, doing moves you wouldn't normally do, doing moves that they tell you to do. Wow. Now, I resisted every step of the way. But they got me in the end. I ended up giving up. And then he quit. <laughs> I quit. Stephanie McMahon wanted Sabu to talk a lot. He actually ended up quitting because everything they had promised him, which was that you're going to have your own character, you're going to do your own thing, they, they changed that. They wanted him to start talking and saying stuff he never would have said. And was it right before that pay-per-view that Stephanie, like, fired you? Yeah. Fired, let go. Moves. Yeah. I think it was. she was mad and she cut him out. Doesn't that... Uh, DVD have your face yeah, on, I'm the on the cover. Yeah, I'm on the DVD, but they took me out of the match. Which uh, which pay per view was that? Uh, I don't know, Elimination Chamber thing. Yeah, it was some December big thing. December to December. That's what. Wow. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Stephanie was mad because they gave him a whole speech and he didn't want to do it. I seen. The, I met this guy a couple of days ago, and he goes, "Hey, now, now tell me what happened to that match. Why ain't you in that match?" <laughs> I started laughing because that that's ten years ago. I forgot why I wasn't in that match. <laughs> When you were in ECW and, you know, the locker room there, then all of a sudden Paul wanted to, you know, he got to work with WWE or WWF at the time a little bit with Vince. And you guys did that little invasion type thing. Like, what was the dip, What was the first thing you noticed when from the ECW locker room to when you went to Monday Night Raw in that locker room? Yeah, it just, you know, got the cold shoulder from everybody. But we didn't give a shit. We thought we were bad at the time, so we didn't care about the cold shoulder. But, yeah, everybody gave us a cold shoulder, except for, like, Candido and a few other guys who knew us. Like, Candido wasn't in our company at the time. He was in WWF at the time. But he'd come over and talk to us and a few other guys, uh, Bret Hart, you know, a few, a few other guys. And uh, so it, it was they were cold to us, but we were cold to them. Uh, uh, whose idea was it to, for you to go off the top of the, uh, the Raw entrance? Well, it was their idea for having me jump out of the balcony. And I said that that was too too normal, you know. And plus, it had been done. So I, I said, I'll jump off the iron. And they go, what does that mean? So I showed them. But the thing was, when I went to do a jump off it, when I jumped, it kind of gave way, and I, I didn't get no air. I fell straight down, and it hit the floor. I hit one guy. <laughs> I hit one guy on the forearm, and six of them fell over. But I, I didn't. I didn't really hit him at all. I splattered on the floor. You think they could have moved up a little bit, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I came up with that, but uh, it ended up being a kind of a, uh, a 
first because I, I didn't knock nobody down. But you, the, from the camera angle, you couldn't tell. Yeah, they'll flip to a different ca uh, camera angle that as much as it can hide a mistake as possible. Right. You can see it all the time. If a move goes wrong in the ring and a different yeah. camera angle picks it up, you know, so you don't see the screw up. Right on. Next. I, oft, I often make a lot of references, obviously, to, with your uncle because I'm a big fan and, you know, I believe that where we are today is because of the people that put us here uh, in the past. So as your career was going on here, obviously you would be in close contact with him. What were some things that he would tell you later on in his career? Um, did any advice ever change over time or was something where you know, he was of a certain mentality and that was the way it was for his entire career. He didn't change. He just said, don't talk. And, uh, uh, um, I forgot what I was going to say. He well, said, don't he, talk. Yeah. He said, don't talk. So I kind of stuck to that. And, and, you know, he, he'd tell me advice when he told me 20 years ago, he still was saying the same advice. You know? he, he didn't change. Why is it, do you think, that so many people were fascinated with the Sabu? And obviously we said it, it's not the character, like Jeannie said, it's, it's who you are. As much as people loved it, why do you think so many different people wanted to make changes or make variations? Is it because they wanted to somehow make it their own in some way? Exactly. They wanted to take the credit for it. Now, not necessarily the credit, but they still want to be the creator. They wanted to be the, the mad scientist to tell me what to do and, and be the right thing. And Paul Lee didn't even try to force me to do it. He didn't tell me anything other than do something amazing. He didn't tell me to do anything. He knew I would come up with it myself. He knew I would come up with it myself. But like Vince, he goes, you got to be a likable baby face. And I go, but why? I, I'm doing what I'm doing now. He goes, nah, you, you're scaring the people. You're, you want to be a likable baby face. I said, yeah, but I scare one guy. The rest of the 5,000 people are not scared. They're cheering. You know, only one guy shit in his pants. Uh -huh. But uh, they said, no, I had to be a likable baby face, baby face like John Cena. And uh, I couldn't see it. I, I've been at shows where once I walked away from Sabu, like we'd be signing, they come up to me and take photos with me when I'm away from them. They're like, I'm scared to death of your husband. You know, like, they're like, <laughs> like it's ruining my business, you know, but yeah. yeah. You know, they, well, they, you know, people get scared of them, but well, I'm once scared, you know them, you love them. I'm, I'm as scared as know they are. To love them. <laughs> I'm scared too. How crazy is it to to look at your career and look at the things you've accomplished in spite of all of the obstacles that people have wanted to continue to throw in your way? Hey, change this. Hey, do this. Hey, do that. And to stay to your convictions because it is something that you believe in. How difficult is that in the wrestling business when, as we mentioned before, there are so many people who want to have their, their hands in the pie? Well, my uncle said, don't do it unless you be proud of yourself. So if I did something I wouldn't think I'd be proud of myself, I probably wouldn't do it. So me being proud of myself would outweigh uh, something that I wouldn't want to do. He's very true to himself. Yeah, like I still have passion for the business, for my matches. So I, I care what, I, what I'm what i going to do. And lately I've been hurt. And I would had a few matches a couple months ago. And I had to cancel out of them because I know I can't wrestle up to par or as up to par as people would want me to. Yeah, he's been having uh, some back problems. So hopefully we'll be past that pretty soon. We've, we've had tons of conversations with, with Mikey and Jerry, and it seems like the ECW philosophy, the mentality was, it's us against everybody. Nobody necessarily counted us in, and we're going to go out there and we're going to show you exactly what we are and make you regret that you didn't pick us up. Is it that type of mentality that F the world that also kind of gets you driven at night to get out there because 
you do feel there's a part of you that wants to prove to everybody else, hey, we're not the, the bubblegum cartoon people that everyone else is a big fan of. This is a reason why you should follow in like us. Yeah, you know, of course, we want to set our own paths and be trailblazers and have people like us, you know. But it was all a chance. Like, uh, the, taking the extreme, making the turn in Eastern Championship Wrestling to extreme, that was an accident. That wasn't a plan. Eastern Championship Wrestling was supposed to be the, the big ship. And I came in there, and uh, uh, the, the style of the company kind of took off after me, and that made it extreme. So, you know, I'm proud of that. And, and we were only in business for seven years, and we're still talking about it. Memphis was in business for 25 years, and nobody gives a shit what Jerry Lawler does. You know? <laughs> and that's so true. It's, it's about quality over quantity. Seven years, and they're still talking about it. 20 years ago. 20 years later. Do you ever get tired of answering questions about ECW? I mean, you've probably been asked just about every ECW question there is. Or is no, it I'm always... Sorry, I'm, I'm glad they're asking something I can answer. Yeah, when Sabu <laughs> signs his books, he always puts Sabu ECW. Like, that's that's him. Yeah, I don't mind that. He, he basically created the whole aura of that uh, of ECW. Fans were always coming to see him. It was pretty much yeah. ECW was all about Sabu. Some They're people might good. say it's yeah. about Tommy Dreamer or I don't know who else it'd be, be about, but in the, the long yeah, run, the, the yeah. trailblade, yeah, Sandman or Taz, but in the I long mean. run, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, people is all about Sabu. It's you said CW has always been about Sabu, you know, so. <laughs> Not you know, really, that. Nah, it still is. Oh, sure. to, to fans who, who really are into hardcore wrestling that's legit real, you know, they know Sabu's doing it. I mean, we've been in line at airports and people come up going, you're the man. Or what do they say? They're just like, the they vaguely, <laughs> like, I don't know how they're recognizing him because he's got a baseball cap on and stuff. And, you know, obviously he's not wearing his hair and pants when he's at the, at the airport, but, uh, yeah, people have nothing but the utmost respect for for him. I think it's awesome picking the brain of you guys and, and hearing what you guys have to say because you're so well-spoken and you think about your answers, and, and we greatly appreciate that. Uh, a question we do have from Twitter is, how did you actually come up with the name of Sabu? How did that all – what was the genesis of that? Well, my uncle named me Sabu. Uh, it was supposed to be Sabu the Elephant Boy, and uh, – Uncle, why it was pet, named me after the actor. Actually, he named me after his dog. His dog, he had a dog, a white German Shepherd. He named him Sabu because he first wanted to name his son Sabu, and my aunt went by him. Then he named the dog Sabu, <laughs> and then when the dog died, I became Sabu. Uh-huh. And he thinks I poisoned the dog, but I didn't. <laughs> the, dog died. the dog died. I took his name. But my uncle was always taught Sabu, the actor, the, the, the movie The Jungle Book. Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't know if he is, but, but uh, he, he liked that actor so much that he wanted to be that actor when he was a kid. Then he wanted to name his son that. And then he, named, he said, I reminded him of that. And so that's why he named me Sabu the Elephant Boy. And an Elephant Boy actually means like a cowboy. You heard elephants. Yeah, like an outlaw cowboy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a pretty dangerous job. It's a, it's a de- job like a cowboy. You're one so, percenter. <laughs> so if I was in India, they'd be saying, wow, cow, uh, cowboy. Elephant boy. He's a yeah, wild elephant boy. Guy. But here, they don't <laughs> want to take it. elephants. You know, so, so, we dropped, harder than that. so we dropped off the elephant boy, and I'm just Sabu. Wow. And I consider that a God-given name because my uncle came up with it. I didn't. Same as Terry. I hate it, but it's my God-given name. But also Sabu is. I like Sabu better. You can tell a funny story. 
crowd chanting Terry when I was you told oh. me to shut up. Well, the first time I wrestled Terry mm -hmm. Funk, uh, the people were chanting Terry, Terry. So I thought they were talking to me. I go, like, shut the fuck up. And he goes, you're talking to me, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about his name was Terry. <laughs> wow. Yeah, one thing, so, never call Sabu Terry. Always call him Sabu. Because, like, yes. you know, Facebook made him put it under his real name for verification. Now he gets people calling him Terry, and they're not getting that. That's actually kind of disrespectful to wrestlers. Right. Like, you call them by their work name. Their work name. And once you get to know them, but I don't even call him Terry. I've because never called him Terry. You don't know me as Terry. I call him Sabu. I think one or twice when I was super mad at him, I called him Terry <laughs> just to be a, a dick. <laughs> You know you're you know you're getting heat with the missus when she calls you your your regular name. Yeah. Wow. Terry, start a fight. <laughs> let me let me kind of to take the direction here. So FMW, and for people who may may not be familiar with FMW, highly recommend uh, checking it out. FMW. Um, we've now recently seen so many things in. The United States kind of taking off of that. And we talked a little about ECW and you have CZW and a lot of these other promotions. But how much credit do you give that promotion? And, and did you enjoy your time over there? And what was that like? Uh, you talking FMW? Yes, uh, FMW. I give, I give them all the credit in the world. They're the one that let me be myself. If, if I didn't go to Japan and wrestle for Onita and it was for Baba or Inoki, they would have said, no, 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 that's not how you wrestle. You know, that's not pro wrestling. But they didn't. They said, wow, that's crazy. Uh, do that again. And I did it again. And I did it every night. And, and they, I watched them. I go, wow, that's crazy. Let's, let's watch some more. You know, uh, Onita was the first guy to make a, 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 a death match company, you know, where, where the, 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 every main event was a barbed wire match or an explosion wow. match or something good like that. Always oh, a give me match. Like the, he got, he learned that from Puerto Rico, but they did have one match leading up to it. And then that was that, but it was the first time they had a, a whole company pattern after. And, and we were killing each other because we got a lot of like Mike Austin, those guys, they were green and Horace Boulder, they were real green and they're kind of the shits. So they had to be stiff before they looked bad. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of explosion matches, actually Sabu's got kind of a back, Kind of a backlash of a lot of attention based off AEW's explosion match, which yeah, I'm, I'm, was well. The, I get a lot of everybody's comparing my match to their match, but it's no comparison. But uh, you know, they, they their explosion at the end was, wasn't very good. Yeah, actually, in yeah. retrospect, it totally highlighted Sabu. Like he's gotten so much more work and in interviews after the AEW show because nobody gives him credit for who he is. But fans who are smart and really love the business, they know the difference. Well, I, I think, too, a lot of people try to pay homage to the past. And in trying to do so, sometimes it doesn't always work. Um, and sometimes things should be left the way they were originally remembered. When it, when it comes CZW, to... CZW tried doing an explosion match, and I, came, I think it flopped. I didn't see it, but I heard it flop. You're just not going to see any of these guys today put themselves out the way Sabu did. There's well, and that's what I... There's breeze and, and, you know shits <laughs> wrestling the way he does and it, it, it's so apparent it's so apparent likes and your followers and whose butt you're kissing in the business to get further i mean like sabu's always been pure work pure work ethic and uh you know some people tried to hold him down but real fans like, like See, that, they don't, they don't know thing, the difference that's one thing i don't get enough credit for i changed the work rate you know i took my work rate from japan and brought it to the states and everybody said I was killing the business, but now that's the norm, the work rate where you bust your ass every night. That's the work rate. Mm -hmm. And there was no work rate like that before, before I did it. 
How about, with the, how about with the tables and then McMahon and Shane were walking to the ring. Well, with you tables. know, when I was breaking tables, said, that's uh, not wrestling. Yeah, they said I was killing the business. McMahon. And then I seen them uh, walk out to the ring carrying the table against the Dudleys and they look like idiots. They look like the Bushwhackers. <laughs> he's doing and then they do it themselves yeah. later you know yeah, like that, that tickled, me, tickled me the most because he said i was killing the business and then vince goes and carries the table to the ring yeah when you talk about killing the business i think they've done more recently to kill the business than they have before because i think they fail to realize what the business is is letting the performers do what they do and letting the fans connect with them that's the business it is not um, I think, in my opinion, the way they see it to be. And I think that's a big problem with why they're declining so much right now is because they're not listening. They're not listening to the performers. And like you said earlier, they want everything to be very cookie cutter. They want everything to be step by step. Stand here. Here's the X. Smile this way. And that's not how it works. How would you describe working in front of a Japanese audience as opposed to working in front of an American audience? Would you say it was contrastingly different or would you say in a lot of ways fans across the world are pretty much the same I, I think they're pretty much the same the Japanese people are a little bit different because they can be quiet as a mouse and still appreciate everything you're doing they don't have to tear the house down to, to appreciate good moves like they, they watch wrestling for the hand-to-hand combat too not necessarily the high spots I, I don't think you get hecklers and I don't know you don't get hecklers no, in Japanese yeah really. they're, they're respectful you're not going to have someone saying you suck like a <laughs> One of the wrestlers in Japan that you're, you know, which is normal for the show in in the United States. But Japan, the fans look at us like baseball players. Uh, Once we leave the arena, we're friends. When we're in the arena, we don't like each other because we're, you know, opposing each other. And and so, and they treated, you know, they took pictures with us in our hotels and stuff like that, like as if we were baseball players, you know. That's pretty cool. So, uh, being in ECW in the ECW arena, have you ever been? at another place where the fans are that ravaged, you know, and, and that much passion? No, the ECW was a one of a kind. Uh, it, it was, no, there's never been a, another place that's bloodthirsty. Uh, uh, Japan, Cork and Hall, I can't say it right. They, they, they get like that sometimes, but uh, not, not as a, they, they're not bloodthirsty. They come to the, the, the matches wearing a suit and, and ECW, they come in the matches with beer in their stomach. <laughs> So you talked about, you know, heckling with fans and whatnot. What was, what were some experiences you've had, you know, being either in the audience and you're wrestling or being close to the guardrail, any other interactions where people have either tried to hit you or do anything that they shouldn't be doing, maybe a little too, uh, too much liquid courage in their system. Any weird stories like that over the years? Yeah, there's a, I had a lot of incidents like that with my uncle and only one or two with me. Uh, you know, I had to beat a lot of guys up for my uncle or, or knock guys down for him. And uh, I just had to beat a couple guys up for myself. One time I was in, walking to the running, walking to the ring, was and the guy. One of your first matches wearing a turban. It was the first time I wore the turban. First, first time, time I, he wore the turban. First time I wore a turban like this. He was wearing whatever those. What's that thing that you wear on top of your head? That's another sort of turban. Uh, headache. He know. used to wear a different <laughs> headgear. You know, the, the, the turban yeah. thing that was up like that. Like a Hindu. And Hindu. then he finally got to wear like this. You know. Okay. What he and I was wearing now. that to, on the way to the ring, and it got smashed off my head. So I jumped the guard rail and beat the guy up and then went, went into the ring. I actually wrestled Eddie Guerrero. But and he beat up the wrong guy. The guy <laughs> he the beat guy up who, someone who didn't even rip off his turban. The guy who took the turban took off, and I just caught the guy next to him, and I beat him up. <laughs> and they threw him out. But uh, oh. that was one of the funniest interactions I had with fans. 
Well, I mean, once again, guilty by association. The guy should have been standing there. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, you got the wrong friend. <laughs> that's I was gonna say. You hang out with those kind of people. Um, right it's now, funny. fans always talk about that. Like to this day, like they think it's hilarious. What would you say right now is your most, your favorite match? The one that you feel like you were at your peak and that that everything just went right and it was just a perfect dance. Uh, I never had a perfect match. Uh, I had some matches that were my favorite. I had one with Rob Van Dam, uh, a stretcher match. It was a long time ago, like 96 or something. I kind of like that. And, uh, and that match I had with Terry Funk, that barbed wire match is one of my favorite, you know, but, uh, I've never, I've never had a perfect, perfect match or, or done as well as I, th- I expected myself to. I've always fell short of what I really want my ex on my own expectations, but usually enough for the fans. Well, Sabu, uh, I always like to ask all of our guests a uh, a kind of a fun question. Hot tub time machine. If you could take yourself and put yourself in any match in any history, take somebody out and put you in, what match would it be and why? Uh, I don't know. I guess wrestle Brock. This is a little bit. I'd like to wrestle Brock, but I guess Brock and Undertaker. I want to be in it, so so Brock. I don't know, so I could wrestle Brock. Rock would be like my uh, ideal opponent. He's everything I'd like to wrestle. Something you know, bigger than me, does moves I don't do, and a power guy. Some people that you were associated with Especially so yeah. fondly over the years. A match in history, I don't know. What's that again? I'm sorry. Like, Did you mean a match in the past that someone else has yeah. done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Okay, all I can think of is he always talks about wrestling Brock. I, I, I don't think there's any matches... Uh, I've heard him say that he would want to be in except with Brock. Yeah. Do you think if Brock do you think That's, if Brock brought it up, that would be something that uh you would entertain? For sure. Yeah, I'd like to wrestle him one more time. I, I think I could suck it up to have one great match. I can't suck it up and have more than one. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the, you know, there's the cauliflower alley and they have their hall of fame. And then obviously the WWE's, would you accept uh, an induction with WWE's hall of fame? Or do you have a little trepidation about something like that? Well, you know, of course I talk shit about it because it's the thickest hall of fame there is, but yeah, I accept it. If they pay, if they pay me, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional. If they pay me. I'll be there. I'll even be there with a smile. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm back. What happened here? I think it's the, it, it was their cell phone. I think I was dying and, cl- and glitching out. Okay. I thought it was me. I wasn't really sure. Wow. No. I, in, in, like you said before, in true front row material fashion, that is how the show ends. Uh, the interview with Sabu. Gosh, there were so many other things I'd like to, to get to with him. Um, maybe I, if, if. I'm pretty sure we could get him back uh, at another time. And, and do a part two of the interview because, man, there was just so much more. And, man, Freeland, I, I'm going to have to say, I've met a lot of people in my day. But for the first 10 minutes, I'm glad you were there because I'll just sit back and uh, sit back and love in the moment. Well, I, I tell you what, like we were talking about, you know, earlier with Sabu, he is one of those guys that – he comes across very genuine. And I think you would agree with that. He comes across very genuine. He is somebody who is not all about the glitz and glamour. 
He is not about somebody who wants all the accolades. He just wants to go out there and perform and do what he is so proud of doing and what his family has built a legacy on. Um, and I thought it was incredibly sweet the way Jeannie went ahead and, and talked about her health issues as well. I did not know as much as I do now. Um, I think we're going to put some, some links up to um, some GoFundMes and to help support them as well. This has got to be a real difficult time for them right now. I mean, I, I have no idea what that's like to go through that. But I can't imagine from not only a physical standpoint, but a psychological standpoint, what that's like going through an injury like that and then having to have an amputation. Yeah, uh, I, I was I was just blown, blown away by, you know, the passion that she had and, and just talking about it because it takes a lot of strength to, to talk about it. And man, it's it's a great interview, and like I said before, we are going to absolutely do our, our best to to bring them back for a part two. Um, I would love to get more into some of the questions we have for Sabu and get into Jeannie and her bodybuilding as well, because for those of you who are not familiar, she is one of the most accomplished bodybuilders in women's bodybuilding, and she had such an illustrious career, and she is so humble. And I know we kind of joke around about you know, the phrase humble, but I mean, we're, we're very serious when we say it with them because they don't ask for all that attention. They just want to do what they do and they love what they do and they want to share it with everybody. All right. With that being said, uh, we're going to roll the ticker across the screen here for the GoFundMe. And we're also going to tweet out some links where you can get Jeannie and Sebu merchandise. They are extremely fan, fan friendly uh, on social media as well. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's been going on in wrestling this past week. The Rit and I are going to discuss some topics, so don't go anywhere. We're going to step out for a short break, but we'll be back. He is the suicidal, the homicidal, the genocidal. Comes in Africa. So unique. People from around the world. Once in a lifetime, he is the suicide, an absolute genocide. He is not getting any more. From October in the United States, has been home. He is the suicide, such an homicide, the genocide. He is the genocidal people from around the world. To see him perform. An athlete so violent, you can't see him live anymore. Because he is banned from competing in the United States. He is the suicidal, the homicidal, the genocidal. All right, guys. Welcome back to Front Row Material. Thank you for joining us here on this beautiful Tuesday evening. Uh, Rit, we just are on the heels of an interview with Sabu and Jeannie. And as we said before, we are going to have them back again um, to tell, definitely tell us more of their story. But let's kind of touch base with you, man, since the last time we got a chance to talk. What are some things that have been happening in the world of wrestling that have piqued your interest and uh, kind of asking some questions? Hmm, what's going on here? Well, first things first, I'm going to have to call out the butt from last uh, week's episode. That women's main event, the doctor, Rip Baker, Thunder Rosa, stole the show. Stole the show. Man, it was, I don't, know, I don't know what his expectations were. I was just hoping that it would get there. But, man, 
it over exceeded my expectations. There was, man, it's just, there was one match on the card last week that kind of was a letdown. And you and I discussed it a little bit uh, earlier. Cody and Pentagon. Man, it was, I was, I had a lot of high hopes for that match. Yeah, that, that match was a little bit, um, I don't want to say a swing and a miss. I, I don't want to say that because that wouldn't be fair, um, a fair assertion to what, what actually happened. But when you see something like that, Rit, and you're really wanting to get what you've created in your mind, do you know what I mean? Like whenever you see a pairing of two people working together, you you automatically, and whether it's right or wrong, and I think sometimes as fans, we, we put really high expectations on things like, oh, this is going to be this way. And if it doesn't somehow match what we have in our mind, we're, we're let down. However, there are those moments when you see two people who are just absolutely at the top of their game right now, and it just doesn't seem to live up to that. You're almost wishing, hey, can we have a do-over or can we have a part two? And I think with both these guys, we're definitely going to get a part two. Yeah, that uh, I, it kind of brings me back to like I was telling you with uh, with Cesaro always let the crowd leave in wanting more, right? And I'm definitely thinking that's what they did here, but I was hoping to get it all all once. I was being greedy, you know. I was kind of like you with AEW action figures, trying to be greedy, and. That they did. They definitely let me want more. Is that where we're gonna go with this? I'm fine. If you want to do this dance, Rit, live on the air, I have no problem with this. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot to be said about this AEW action figure thing, and and I'm I'm going to get into that. But I also want to give you my take on the 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 Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match. Um, when I heard that this match was gonna happen, I wasn't exactly quite sure what to expect. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Okay, it's going to be a lights out, unsanctioned, anything goes match. And from what we've seen in the past, I think we kind of get the idea that it's it's going to be really entertaining. But are we going to see the same style and the same performance that we've seen from these competitors before? And we got a completely different version of Thunder Rosa. We got a completely different version of The Good Doctor. We got them on an elevated level where they were in a different stratosphere. And I loved it. And for a lot of what we, I guess we would call pure wrestling fans who say the blood, the guts, all that kind of stuff. I'm not into that. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to be. However, to appreciate the moves that they did, the athleticism that was in that match, the energy and intensity that they had when they had those close-ups with those cameras and you could... You could almost feel that coming through the screen. Those two women put everything out there that they had. And I thought it was so well done. Now, I know there's some wrestling uh, historians from uh, the state of Kentucky who live in a castle who actually has banned me from Twitter, did not like this. So let's play a little game here, Rit. Let's play the game of Let's pretend I'm the person who doesn't like this type of wrestling. What would you say is one reason why somebody might not like this kind of wrestling? How would you, if you were in their shoes, how would you go about explaining why you didn't like this match? 
Well, how, why I didn't like it? I don't know. It's it's hard because everything I liked that was there: storytelling, you know, athleticism. Uh, you know, they they took it was. It's ironic we're talking about this match of you know first right after a Sabu interview. Yeah, because those two left their put their bodies on the line and left it all out there you know, to show how they, how, how they deserve to be in that top spot. And for me to say that they're, maybe it's just the people in Kentucky that, you know, are out of touch. Well, and, and this has been a great comment, you know, uh, Anton jumps in here. Let me go ahead and pull his comment up. They're, they're stuck in the past and, I'll even say it. Jim Cornette said that it was garbage booking. And I can't agree with that because something cannot be garbage if that's what the fans want. And I, I said this in the, in the Sabu interview, and I, and I truly, truly mean this. At the end of the day, your job is to give the audience what they want to see. And if the audience wants to pay their money, if the audience wants to tune in and see this, then that's what you give them. Okay, you are not the person who decides I know what you want. No, you are the supplier of content. They are the consumer of content. If there is enough demand for something and there's a market for it, you go with it. Would you agree? Well, yeah, but didn't they do in the 80s? Feud, build up, build up, build up. We're going to settle this inside of a cage. Blood, guts. You know, two, the two whole nine people. yards. Yeah. So for him to sit there and say, you know, that's garbage. They did the exact same thing they did in the eighties. Those two Thunder Rosa and Rip Baker, you know, interfered in each other's match, jumped each other. That was the, the lights out match was the, was the peak was the end result. And, and they, and they, they sold tickets, you know, that, that there was a pay-per-view caliber match and they had it in the main event because they wanted to highlight those two. It's the exact same thing they did in the eighties. Well, think about it. When they did the, the Cody versus um, Brody match, the dog collar match, they had Greg, the hammer Valentine sitting in the audience right there explain to me how that is really any different than any other type of hardcore match where they're bleeding excessively. I mean, he versus Piper back in the day, that was about as brutal as it gets. So I don't exactly understand the hypocrisy when it comes to this is okay, but this over here, this isn't okay. I'm not really quite sure where that line is between those two distinctions. And for me, uh, somebody said in the chat, does it come down to their two women bleeding, putting their bodies on the line? No, that shouldn't matter. They're workers. Yes. You know, it, if they can sit there and do it, let them do it. Well, let me also throw this out at you. Do you feel like in some ways, as much as we've kind of grown with the, the women's movement in pro wrestling, do you think there's still some people who believe – the old school mentality of that they're not main event quality stars because I think there is still a contingent of wrestling fans out there. It's, it's much, much smaller, 
but there are still some wrestling fans out there who say, no, I don't necessarily need to have a woman's match as my main event. I think this is the exact reason why people should say, no, the women should be the main event. And, and exactly. You, uh, what was it? 20 years ago, we, we wouldn't see stuff like that. We'd still be seeing brawl and panty matches. But now the women are more athletic. They're more determined. And they can put on just as good of a product as the men can. Sometimes, and sometimes in some cases, they can put on a better product than some of the men can, you know, because the how athletic these women are nowadays. Something that I um, I want to bring up here because this is something that has definitely gotten my interest peaked, and I talked about this on social media. I believe it was over the weekend, but I think it's worth discussing here. Um, Andrade gets released from WWE, and not only did he get his release granted to him, which I found to be very interesting, Rit, because if you remember, there was an interview either on Jericho's podcast where Moxley was the guest and he was basically talking about, hey, can I get released? Can I get released? And he said that they weren't going to grant too many people's releases because it would look like rats jumping off a sinking ship. And I believe that was an exact quote. So how do you think this changes um, releasing Andrade and maybe some other stars who are to come that have not yet uh, stepped forward to ask for their release. How do you think that changes? Do you think because of social media and people realizing that if someone's not on TV and they're not happy, just let them go? Or do you think, no, I think the companies are still going to hold on to them? I think it's a case-by-case -case, uh, basis uh, with Andrade. Look who he's dating. Or engaged to Charlotte to keep her happy. I think they they made him happy, and if he wasn't being used on the product, which I have no idea why, right? He's a phenomenal talent, uh, you know, exceptional speaker. He had the look, but for them to sit there and keep Charlotte happy, I think they they let him go, and I hope that he doesn't sign anywhere for a a little while. Let him let him spread those wings have fun for a while show up show up at on AEW for a little bit go down to you know Triple A in Mexico Ring of Honor you know just just do you for a while don't worry about having to be in one brand and see where that gets you I think you made a good point there I think at the end of the day you realize that if you do not make the fiance of Charlotte Flair happy, and she's obviously one of your golden gooses, let's just be real here. If you upset her come contract time, she may not want to ramp up with you. So at the end of the day, you're going to have to pick which hill to die on. And this one might be the one that they, they're not willing to die on because of a greater investment. Um, which it sounds kind of crazy because Andrade was so incredible. I mean, should have been a world champion, should have been pushed to the moon, shoulda, shoulda, shoulda. And we often talk about these things on, on these podcasts. You know, fans get together and say, well, this guy should have definitely gotten a, a bigger opportunity. But I think it's kind of universally agreed upon that Andrade had the tools, he had the look, he had the in-ring ability, that he definitely should have been pushed as opposed to some of these guys we see getting pushed. Um 
But I don't know. It just makes me believe that when I look at the WWE product, it, it's more about the good old boy network. It really is. Who is friends with whom and all those different connections instead of a phrase that they used to believe in, if they even did, what's best for business. And what's best for business is to build the future around some incredible young talent. And Andrade was one of those. And I did not know this written until uh, I guess about 48 hours ago, but he doesn't have a 90 day no compete. I don't know necessarily if that was originally put into his contract or it was waived once again. Let's keep let's keep the couple happy. Either way, that's got to be the first time that we've heard of a no no compete clause being in a contract. Would you agree? Yeah, because what Moxley had to sit out how long was it? Nine was it ninety days? I believe it was ninety days. Yeah, you know, for him. Uh, what Brody was the exact same way. Yep. You know, so. For them to give him a 90, uh, you know, way that 90 day non compete clause, that there had to be something going on there. And unless, like you said, it was already in the contract, but I don't see that being in the contract, you know, with him right from the door because heck, he had to work his way up just like everybody else did. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. I think we're, we're going to find out as time goes on, as we always do, you know, these stories end up coming to the surface and we find out what really happened or what was the reason behind this going on or that going on. But regardless of what it is, Andrade is now a free agent. He's able to go anywhere he wants to go. And I am with you saying, don't sign anywhere. Dip your toes into the market. Find out who really wants you. Create a bidding war. Get that money up because that's what it's about. And uh, go where you're going to be the happiest. And uh, because not everything can be money related. And, All right. And, and the matches that if you think about Ring of Honor, him and Jay Lethal, that would be great. It would all, be. The, all, all the numerous matches, you know, down in AAA, you know, over in AEW, him and Ray Phoenix, Pentagon, you know, he has plenty of options and he has plenty of time. You know, he's, he's still young. So no reason to rush it. Um, it has been confirmed at least by wrestling Inc. Uh, who has posted this story that NXT is confirmed to be moving to Tuesday nights. Uh, Rit, let me ask you this question. After we heard that USA network, um, obviously was going to be making some changes as well. And they were going to be, I guess, kind of absorbing some of the content that the NBC sports network, which is now obviously going to be defunct, uh, used to have on theirs. And they're now going to be carrying it on USA network. I think it was a situation of, it was about business and there's more audience in sports than there are in wrestling, at least right now. Do you think that, even if this hadn't happened, NXT might have considered a time change. Or do you think, nope, they would have stuck to their guns and never, regardless of the ratings, waved the white flag? Vince is a stubborn son of a bitch. He would have stayed foot planted and just fought it out. Me personally, the move is better because... 
like uh, Eric Rowan said a couple weeks ago, I think that exactly what's happening is all these wrestling fans are, are just watching the same product. So let them have wrestling on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Friday nights. You know, you don't need to worry about, you know, flipping, you know, battle and flipping back and forth. Just, just let them, let them come over to Tuesday nights. You get everybody on Tuesday nights. AEW gets everybody on Wednesday nights. And I think, honestly, you're going to see the ratings for NXT on Tuesday come up because they're not battling the, the people watching AEW also. Because we're all wrestling fans and we're all going to watch the exact same product. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well when it comes to something like this because they leave Wednesday nights. And the reason why I'm going to give you a little information here, once again, this information is coming to us from wrestlinginc.com and Raj Geary, who has an incredible website. I highly, highly recommend that. Um, he's saying that there has been some news that's been coming out saying that the production schedule says that they're going to be going live now on Tuesdays post uh, mania season. And it looks like those leaked rumors have now obviously come to fruition and it will be on Tuesday nights. Now, something interesting, you know, who else is on Tuesday nights, right? You know, another promotion that's on the air on Tuesday nights. Uh, do they make a big impact? They make a very big impact, and that is on television as well. So it's going to be now an NXT potentially versus Impact. Now, I will tell you this. Impact's ratings have increasingly gone up as time goes on because I think that they are – I think they're heading in a good direction. Um, I've always been a fan of Scott Demore. I obviously think Don Callis has his finger on the pulse. Don Callis does remind me a lot of a Paul Heyman with wanting to mix different – entities up and try to see what formula works the best. Do you think that at the end of the day, impact will definitely be able to hold their own in the ratings against NXT? Uh, man, it, it, that's going to be a tough one. Cause well, we don't really pay attention or we haven't paid attention to the ratings on impact because all you ever see is AEW X amount of, NXT, X amount. So we're going to finally see, because you know that's going to be out there all, all the time. You know, NXT and Impact, your ratings, bam, right there. So it's going to, I think Impact will be able to sit there and it's going to start from behind. Or it might, it might be a shock and it might be closer than what we think, but I think they're going to they're, they're hold their own. You know, the product that they have out there is a lot more interesting than NXT has been for the past six months. What would you say right now is the biggest downfall of of any of the brands? So, like, if we were to say, let's go, let's go across the board here. Obviously, NWA, they are starting back up again, but their biggest drawback was the fact that there was no content out there. And the fact that also was that they only had YouTube as their their access to an audience. Our big knock on NXT was that whenever stars would leave to go to the main roster, they would not have the quality, and that kind of sounds harsh, but the quality of talent to replace them. 
And with AEW, I think one thing we would say is there's so many stars and there's only such a limited amount of TV time that there are some people that you and I have talked about. We'd like to see focused more and there just isn't. Which of these situations do you think is the easiest to correct and which one of them is a monumental hill to climb? Uh, the biggest one to correct, I would say, would be NXT. You got you got talent there. Build them up and let them there. You know, if, if you say NXT is supposed to be an equal to Raw and SmackDown, not the developmental anymore, treat it as an equal. Don't say, oh, we're moving you up to the main roster. No, NXT is supposed to be part of the main roster. So you don't need the oh, we're going to take this guy over and put him here. Oh, oh we're going to bring Adam Cole up next. No, that's that's part of your brand. That is not a developmental anymore. So I think if they just concentrate that as an equal, I think that's one's the easiest to fix. What about you, Freeland? I think the easiest one to fix um, would be NXT as well. I mean, I think it would be the easiest one to fix, and, and here's why. I think if they allow Triple H and Shawn Michaels to do what they do, give them complete control over the product. I think Vince keeps his hand out of the cookie jar. He keeps his nose out of the NXT brand. WWE can fix a lot of these problems if Vince was no longer in control. Now, in in some ways, it's the easiest solution. In some ways, it's the hardest solution because you take him out, and I think you have enough people surrounding the creative department to do well but I feel like they're always a bunch of kids waiting for dad to scold them. And I think that's what's holding them back in a lot of ways. So NXT could absolutely shine and I would love to see it shine, but unfortunately we're not going to get that shine because, you know, the old man is definitely going to throw his two cents into every single aspect there is. And that's, what's going to continue to pull it down. Now, a problem that AEW has, which, is in some ways a good problem to have is we have so much talent, but we don't have enough time. Meaning it's easier to add content than it is to have too much content and it's not getting any eyeballs. Um, we talked about this on the phone. You and I have discussed how we think Lance Archer should get so much bigger of a push. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, he has been one of the most interesting characters Um Love Luchasaurus, would love to see him maybe do some things solo on his own a little bit more. I'd love to see the Seidel brothers really get a push. Um, there's a lot of people there in just such a small amount of time. And I think with creating Elevation and obviously Dark, I think what they're trying to do is they're going to try to say, all right, we got this huge roster. How can we divide everybody up so everyone starts to get some time? and where people can start to get to know who they are. But I think AEW absolutely is going to have to go um, with a second show on television, or they're going to have to expand how long Dynamite is. And I know a lot of people say, oh, God, that killed Nitro, and oh, that killed Raw when they went three hours. But this is a little bit different of a beast. This is a little bit different, and I think they could work it out very, very well. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I think they could do that. Uh, me personally, I, I would say NWA has the hardest hill to climb. Just now, why would you say that? There's been nothing there for almost a year now. 
So, so you're true. essentially starting from scratch all over again. You got to redo your fan base, get everybody uh, re-familiar with the product. You know, uh, how many workers have they lost? You know, so I think they had the, the biggest hill to climb. Not, not saying that they can't do it, but now they have a year setback. So it's going to take them a little bit longer now to, you know, get up to where they wanted to be, where if COVID never happened, man, COVID never happened. They, they were on, they were on fire and they were building momentum up along the way. But as soon as COVID hit, they shut every, had to shut everything down. Now it's, I think they're starting from scratch. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be tough. They're definitely going to have to um, revamp the way they do some things. And I think they're going to be able to look at their product and say, hey, this is what it was pre-COVID. This is how we were doing. This, unfortunately, is how things look now. And we are going to have to, once again, roll with the times. Now, when it comes to the NWA, is there anybody that you notice that stands out to you that you think they could definitely take that next step up with. Um, they clearly have, you know, Nick Aldis, who is, is one of their main guys, but do you think there's anybody that they could bring in or that could really kind of put the, the, the light on their attention right now? Do you think that could be an Andrade? Do you think he could be kind of a game changer for a promotion that really needs an injection at this time? Oh, I've, he would be perfect, you know, having him and put him in a Nick Aldis feud. You're going to see great, great wrestling, just like the NWA used to do back in the eighties. You know, I could see a 60 minute Broadway between those two, you know, you put them on for an hour, start to finish. That's a whole show for you right there. And you're going to get, see great wrestling. Yeah, and I think one thing that they could benefit from would be a little bit more cross-exposure. Um, this is where I think when you have Impact Wrestling and you have AEW, yeah, they can they can cross brands and they can kind of go back and forth. I don't necessarily think it really moves the needle a whole lot for AEW. It may move the needle somewhat, for impact wrestling and it probably benefits them way more than it, it impacts uh aew but wouldn't it be interesting if you had nwa working with aew i mean we've seen thunder rosa before she just had a number one contenders match with camille i thought that was really good i'm a big fan of camille do you think the nwa would benefit from exposure because both Companies have platforms on YouTube. If even if it wasn't on national TV, maybe if within the YouTube they started something where you started to see a little bit more crossover, such as what we had with Thunder Rosa. Uh, well, what about uh, just like Jersey Devil says in the chat? Why not have NWA pick up MLW? You know, you got a lot of young, young, hungry people on that roster in MLW, where they could use them to come in the NWA and, you know, put on some great matches, do a little crossing back and forth. You know, 
uh, I could see something like that working, you know, where they both benefit instead of like you said, with AEW and impact, it's more of a one-sided thing. Right. But you know, MLW and NWA could easily benefit and both grow together at the same time. Well, I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. We are going to, uh, we're going to bring in this guy. We're going to bring in a special guest with us now. I affectionately refer to him as Vince Russo Jr. And some people have referred to him as Vince Russo meets Jesus. Um, but he recently told me that, you know what? New beard is gone. So I don't even know if he fits in with this, uh, this crowd here tonight. Liam Savage, what's going on, buddy? It is good to see you. Happy Tuesday night. Happy Tuesday, Freeland. Rhett, how's it going? Ah, it's been a long time. Been a long, long time. Yeah, so here's the thing. So, had a shaving incident today, and uh, the beard's gone. So, I was thinking, you know, at first I'm like, you know, this is a problem. But, you know, I then realized... I won't have Freeland picking on me because I have a beard and look like Russo or Jesus. And I'm thinking that's, that's probably an okay thing, you know? I, wow. I did, did did it bother you? You See now, yeah, you're going to make me feel guilty. You're going to make me feel guilty. By the way, that drink, that drink looks magnificent. What, What is that right there? Is that a blue moon? That's a, that's a white stout. Ooh. Yeah. That like was my that. nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. The white stout. Yes. So, sir. so, so take us through this here. And, and for everybody who's not familiar, Liam is a big, big fan of the show. Also interacts with us a ton of times. Yes, we sir. affectionately refer to him as Vince Russo Jr. Um, but motherfucker. He, he <laughs> but he is a great sport. He's a lot of fun. So tell us about this. Uh, tell us about the shaving incident. What happened? What went wrong? And what was your response? Or immediately after you realized, oh no, it's all gotta go. Well, like I said, it's uh, you know, I start shaving and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna go along, just trim it, you know, along the sides, make it look nice. And then uh, I realize, well, this isn't working out so well. So I uh, I think, okay, I'll just shave the whole thing off. What's the big deal? It's going to grow back in a week anyways because my hair grows that fast. Right. And then when I'm shaving it, I'm thinking, you know what? This will give me some ammo for Freeland because when he finally gets to see me on cam, I won't have to have the comparison. Now I'll just look like some weirdo that can't grow a beard. So it's okay, you know? And that's kind of how I was thinking about it. But what I will say is this. You're a very handsome man. I mean that in a very platonic, very heterosexual way. You are an attractive man. You, hey, I think I appreciate that. I'm not sure, but you know, I'm processing. I, I mean, you, you do. You look. Don't even shake your head. Don't even shake your head. Freeland, don't pass <laughs> judgment on me. How come for the past three weeks? Yeah, you've been hitting on every guest we had. I would have hit on Jeannie tonight. That is a beautiful woman. No offense to Sabu. No disrespect. That is a very beautiful woman. And well, Freeland Sabu isn't a beautiful woman, so like you know, you're not going to hit on him, obviously. So no, no, because I'm a big fan of his, and I'm a big right. fan of Jeannie. But I will say she's very lovely, and he's very handsome. Mm-hmm. He's very handsome. Oh, not in okay. a Liam Savage way, though. Not in a Liam Savage. Well, we, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, uh, I keep do talking. Wanna, 
I do want to thank you for letting me be in your fantasy baseball league. I really appreciate it. Oh, God. I wish I understood what you were talking about, but I don't. So, wait, wait. Explain. Oh, oh I thought I'm actually in Vince Russo's fantasy baseball league. I thought I was talking to him. Wow. Oh, wow. fuck. Yeah. <sighs> Dick move there right go. there, Rit. Dick move. Here we are. We got him on the show. Mm-hmm. What, what AEW figure say what? Oh, oh, okay. Let's talk about this. All right. Let, let, you know what? We're jumping into our next segment right now because you know what? I'm not, I'm not dealing with this shit anymore. Let's go. All right, Let's go. Liam, here we go. Next, next topic of conversation is the AEW action figures. Um, okay. I talked to the writ about this before. Um, I talked to Christopher, Butt about this, are you, let me first ask you, are you a fan of the action figures? Uh, I'm not a big fan of action figures. I mean, I'll get them as far as being, you know, okay, it's collectible and I'll, you know, hold on to them and maybe they'll appreciate in value at some point. But no, I haven't gotten them. I've looked since I'm in Canada, like uh, Christopher Butt, um, I haven't noticed any around here, actually. Okay. Yeah. And I've looked at all the places, too, and I haven't found anything. So what you're saying is there's more moose than there are figures. Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This has a ton of maple syrup in it. And when I go inside to my house, I'm going to be playing hockey and eating about a pound of bacon. And that's the way we do it around here. Just kidding. Is it American bacon or that (laughs) Canadian bacon? See, Canadian bacon isn't a thing. That's that's what uh that's what people, you know, people seem to think Canadian bacon is a thing. It's not. We don't have Canadian bacon here. We just have bacon. That's how it works. So this whole Canadian bacon thing, I don't understand it. All bacon matters, man. All bacon matters. That's all I'm that's gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So is the is the Canadian bacon thing? Is that just kind of like a, a rib? Just it, yeah. it just it's it, yeah, it's it's not rib. real because it looks like ham. Does anybody else oh, believe me? Okay, okay. So it here's like the him. thing. Here's the thing. They have this bacon here called pea meal bacon. Okay. Now this is uh, it's it's rolled in cornmeal, but it's like a, a kind of a thick ham. Okay. That's called pea meal bacon. I think that's about as close as you guys are going to get a quote unquote Canadian bacon. Because I don't know what the hell that is. I'll send you some. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take a loan out just just for you to see it. Mm. Well, that'll help me. Boog is saying he's the Canadian Vince Russo. Here's the deal. Here, here's the deal, Vince Jr. Um, yes. I got to I gotta ask you this question. So how... Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's well-deserved. That is well-deserved. Um, Fuck you. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Damn cough. Fucking COVID. What, okay, continue. How, how long do you think it's going to be before you before it grows back? And will you grow it back for me? And why is that answer yes? <laughs> Wow, like so many questions. Um, it's going to be about a couple of days. Okay. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I might grow back for you, but I'd have to see some incentive. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, I'm starting to understand why Mikey gets on the whole, uh, was it spreadshirt thing? So I placed an order a little while ago. It's still not here. I don't know where it is. 
So, yeah, I know. That's what I ordered. I ordered that and a hat, you know? Three days. Was, yeah. And uh, it's been about uh, three weeks. And I'm wondering, Freeland, do you have love for the Canadian people? Because, you know, I'm sure if Christopher Butta, you know, ordered one, he probably wouldn't get it in the same amount of time as me. Like, you know, it's still not here. I don't know what's going on. Well, well, Freeland has to uh, get a new iron so he can iron it on and send it to you. You can officially, That's eat, true. You can officially eat my ass with a spoon. Here's the deal. Uh, wow. Rit. Here's the deal. This shirt right here is the official first ever front row material shirt. Yes, it is an iron on. Okay, I will address that. Okay. Bought and paid for. <laughs> Do you think I didn't pay for this? The guy in the mall, the guy in the mall was like, He's like, you you want the shirt? You want the shirt? I said, yes, I want the shirt. He goes, I need you to send me gif. Send me gif. So I said, that's fine. So I had to email him as I was standing in his shop the gif, okay? This was the official gif made from our official uh, graphic artist. So this, my friend, is more original than yours, and this cost me $45 to get this shit made. What? Wait a minute wow. here. You will spend 45 bucks on a first original t-shirt but you won't spend 45 bucks on an AEW action figure that you call me when you're Whoa. going walmart to walmart to walmart Whoa. now hold on right hold on right now he's he's a supermark for frm so i can understand it in that sense i was one of the founders of this damn thing all right so yes. i i have the right to have my feelings about the frm t-shirt thank you very much I mean, that's the only compliment I'll give you this whole time. But, you know, you've earned it. Hey, I take it where I can get it. So let's get, into this, let's get into this figure thing here. So I called I called Rit up on the phone, and um, I got to have to talk to, to the fish next week. So the fish is finding these AEW action figures right. everywhere, okay? So the fish is a private investigator. Coolest fucking job ever. Um, I've got to hear some of these stories. He's going to share some of these. He's going to change the names to protect the innocent, but we're going to, we're going to have him tell some stories, but he's traveling all over the country and he's finding these AEW figures in these Walmarts. Every time he hits one up, it's gold. And not only is he finding these figures, Walmart has this aisle. We all know what we're talking about here. It's this discontinued clearance Somebody touched it the wrong way and the box broke or something and it's discounted with a fucking yellow sticker. Well, this guy is able to find AEW action figures on the clearance aisle. Yeah. And I have driven to seven Walmarts. And you know what? I can take a big shit in my hat because I got nothing. Nothing. Okay. Did you look at the website I sent you the link for? I looked at the website. I downloaded the damn app that you said before, but it doesn't do me any good. Why? You put, you, okay, so here's the deal. All right, here's the deal. You take your phone, you download the app, you put your zip code in, right? It tells you which Walmarts are near you. No, you, not the Walmart one. You told me it was the Walmart app. No, you said download the, the Walmart the guy app. Is 20 minutes away from me that has that shop. Oh, I checked out that shop. I checked it out. So... By the way, if anybody wants to get AEW action figures or any other action figures, uh, the Rit has, has, has shared with me uh, his source that uh, you can get stuff from. And I can get this, but I, I'm still wanting to get it for the $25. Yeah. 
See, here's the problem. You you guys are actually getting a a chance to get this in your home country. And since AEW doesn't care about Canada, except for Sean Spears, which apparently my brother <laughs> says I look like, but which really bothers me. But I like Sean Spears. But anyways, Ooh. that's the problem is I'm not getting a chance to buy these. And I'd like to have a chance. Do you have children? I do. You do have children. Are they of yes. age? Of, are they action figure age? My daughter is 12, and she'd probably look at it and, th- and say, this is stupid, and throw it. Girls mature at a quicker age. I mean, she's more yes. mature at 12 than I am at 40, so yes, not, not really a fair fight. Um, mm. I, I want to get these damn things, and I can't So do I. Trust me. So let's do this. Let, let's start this up here. Let's start a little network right here. Everybody who can hear my voice. Just me, Rit, me, Rit, and Liam. That's about as bad as everybody's listening right now. Yeah. Let's start a that's network. It. So if people find a figure, jump on to FRM and say, hey, I'll make you a deal. And I'm not going to, like, screw you with it either. We can Venmo each other money. We'll throw, a few extra, we'll throw a few extra bucks in for shipping. And then we'll be able to wheel and deal with each other. What do you think? Of course for me. I would be more than happy if somebody said, I have an action figure. It was $19.87. I'll send you 25 bucks, maybe in a few extra bucks for shipping and handling. I'll Venmo it to you. You'll have it instantly. All you got to do is send it my way. Yeah. Okay, Freeland. I got, a, I got, a, I got an action figure. <laughs> Why does it got to be that one? Why does it got to be that one? Why does it got to be my, 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 my man love relationship with Kenny Omega. Because, oh God. I love Kenny. Love Kenny. I know you do. I don't it's love his sickness. Entrance I no get more. it. It's a sickness. I, I it, it God, he's he's the greatest there ever was. I don't think there's ever gonna be another Kenny Omega. Okay, so here's the thing. I was talking to uh hide my dick uh earlier on Twitter and we were yes. DMing and we talk uh, quite a bit. He's a good guy. Yes, he and, is. Um, and we were talking about All Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, here's the thing. He's, he's seen certain things, and he's heard about certain things. So I said, oh, why wouldn't you just like to, you know, see this link I'm showing you? So I showed him a link about All Japan. And he, within two minutes, in a six, six and a half minute clip, he's freaking out, going, wow, I should have seen this so much earlier. This is great. And... The thing is, anything that they did in All Japan, which I consider probably the pinnacle, no pun intended for AEW, of uh, pro wrestling, Omega couldn't have laced their boots. But that's just my opinion. Continue. I see. I see how it is. I welcome you on the show with open arms. (laughs) I tell you how attractive a man you are, and this is what I get in return. You take a yeah. big giant number two all over Kenny Omega. That's fine. I understand. No, 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 no. no. See, I, I'm not, I'm not discounting his abilities or his talent, but I don't know. It's, uh, I think I'm siding more with uh, Cornette on this. That he's uh, maybe not always. What is that? Did he just say that he's siding with Cornette, who has banned me? I think. Uh, I'm giving oh. you one more. I'm giving you one more shot, sexy man. 
I side with Jim Cornette. Wow. Please tell, me that. Please tell me that's a joke. That's a dirty joke, right? Oh, come on, man. It's it's North America, free speech, right? This is why I don't like Canada. This is exactly why I don't like Canada. This I is get, exactly the right reason. I get more respect out of the butt than you do out of him. I get nothing from this guy. And I thought we were becoming friends. I thought, we, where's hide my dick at? He should be jumping in this already. Hide my dick. I sent you an email. You should be getting your ass in here. Let's get back to this. All right. Okay. I'm going to give oh, you one more chance I, to redeem yourself, okay? Am I allowed back now? Thank you Well, so you know what? I'm not like Jim. I will let people back in. <laughs> I am a very accepting person. Oh, trust me. It, Corny, he gets off his high horse, or he gets on his high horse, and he projects exactly what he wants. And I yes. get that. Trust me. Trust me. It just happens to be that I agree with 95% of what he says. Now, that's not saying that you're wrong. That's not saying that anybody's wrong. It's just an opinion. And a lot of his stuff is for entertainment value. I understand mm -hmm. that. Yes. I get that. But as far as, oh, there's my buddy, Anton. There he is. What's up? What's good, guys? What's up, buddy? Another day, another dollar. Yeah, that's what I always say. Except I don't get another dollar for it, but you know. Yeah, Billy. Yeah, what do you what do you what do you get up there? What, what's the equivalent to a dollar? What is your currency up there? Pesos. Okay, like for every dollar that you guys make, we get about ten cents. Is that that's, crazy? That's terrible. Yeah, that is terrible. They're yeah. taking advantage of you. Well, I mean, you know, I've been taken advantage of a few times, but not in this way. Hey! As far as monetarily. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Holy sweet butter Jesus. I'm not even quite sure what I'm seeing. If this is even legal. It is it is Anton, aka Hide My Dick. We got we got Vince Russo Jr. here drinking some beer. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the show. Whatever you are enjoying, remember, drink responsibly. That's what we say. Um, Anton, so evidently you guys have forged a kinship <laughs> over wrestling. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about that. Me and Mr. Savage Bullshit Weekly, thanks to FRM, he normally hits me up actually right before I get on here. He'll have tweeted me and be like, going on? You know, regardless if or not I pull a run in, just wants to know if I'm, you know, chopping it up or watching the show, which typically I am. I look forward to this on my days off every week. And But uh, he's got a shit ton of old ECW footage from years of tape collecting that uh, we have been discussing. He was going to mail them in a hard drive, but because of customs and et cetera, we were like, just use the internet so uh yeah he's gonna hook me up you're saying them. too much you're saying too much <laughs> <laughs> fuck wwe they're not gonna allow this okay continue he's right so but yeah, yeah because of the network issues and etc working out some other trades that are going to benefit myself and but yeah we were discussing all japan and a little bit of new japan and because i'm a fan of muda but I've heard about some of these things for years. I knew about the four pillars and et cetera. And he's like, here, fucking start looking at some of this shit. Like, damn, that is some stiff fucking shit. Fuck yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm excited to fucking watch more of it, actually. And there was some Johnny Ace footage in there. And I've never actually seen a Johnny Ace match besides some dynamic dude stuff from WCW. So to see some Johnny Ace that wasn't total bullshit is actually pretty fucking amusing. Did he still? Did he still have the really deep voice? I mean, have you ever heard a Johnny Ace uh, probably, promo? Probably 
probably see, it wasn't see promos, the... it was just match clips, so. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. They didn't really do a lot of promos back then. They just kind of let the action speak for itself. So when you're seeing Johnny Ace do a lot of the Ace Crushers, which was kind of like a diamond cutter, I guess, Anton, would you call RKO. it that? Yeah. Yeah, RKO. Yeah. So when he's doing that, it's like you kind of let the action speak for itself. He, he wasn't like, hey, guys, Monday no, night. Can... Isn't that more your fantasy there, Freeland? <laughs> hey, shh. What happens I'm in the sorry. DMs stays in the DMs, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, Thanks for off. outing me, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So I had a great question for Sabu earlier. <laughs> that didn't. He's not here. I know it's not, but I still want to bring it up. Because <laughs> the interview somehow technically... Technically, yeah. got what, what happened exactly? Y'all sounded like robots. I think it's his bat. Once his battery started going down and got to that, I'm guessing one percent. His connection echoed with ours. Yes. Until his battery died. Yeah, Super yeah. Genie sound, said you sounded all like robots. That that is what happened because I texted. Yeah. Him. Right. Okay. Good. Uh, but uh, I found a thing yesterday talking about the. XPW ECW feud from the you know late 2000s early you know late 90s early 2000s era and how Sabu you know left and went to work for XPW for free so it wasn't involved in the contract dispute but supposedly the clowns who he's great friends with we know this they booked him to headline a JCW wrestling tour and they were going to pay him because he's their friend and that he couldn't do that because of the dispute with Paul but he worked the XPW stuff for free, and that's how they kind of worked that out. And I was just, I'm really intrigued by that because I know Dark Side of the Ring is about to do some shit on XPW, and I've just caught lots of XPW stuff lately, including some old Excalibur matches that I found on YouTube from like a whole pay per view of theirs. Yeah. I'll oh, God. Day in hell. And he's all super tiny. He looks like Marco stunt size. He's that skinny. Like, yeah, it's fucking incredible, but same mask, it's still Excalibur. And the production quality is super shit. People want to talk about ECW being shot in a basement. That shit looks like it was shot in a motherfucking basement. And I'm coming from a dude who, you know, is sitting in a spare bedroom as a recording studio. And I'm telling you, <laughs> god damn, that shit was fucking awful production quality. But it's even more adult than ECW. It just, eh. That er- that era of shit's always intrigued me. It well, really that, that's the thing, though. They were, they were, uh, was it? Rob Black was the uh, founder of XPW, and yeah. he was uh, he was an owner of a company that got sued. Yeah, that violated federal rights because they were borderline snuff and rape films. I know that. Like, yeah, what I you said. Yeah, about all of this. Yeah, what you said exactly. So, and that that's the difference, though. I mean, when they invaded at Heatwave 2000 in ECW. Um, they were just kind of a blip on the screen at that point. And when they came to LA, they decided to come into, you know, the whole ECW market, even though they were making a, you know, a whole play into going to LA and the whole California market, but it started a whole thing. Well, so I know a little more about that because Bubba Ray Dudley always talks about how he wanted to be three things. Meatloaf, but Meatloaf had the market on a 300 pound frontman covered. A pro wrestler right. who wanted to direct porn. Well, not on WWE stuff, but on Jericho's podcast, he admits to he did stuff with XPW on the adult side. He got to direct porn. So he knocked out two of his three dreams. He was a wrestler and etc. 
So Bubba right. Ray admitted a little more to that. And supposedly Rob Black was going to partner with Heyman to you know help expand. But with the TNT thing or Spike TNN, Heyman was like, uh-uh, don't don't want to know. Yeah. Like, I, I know lots of the speculation and details, or the fact that Rob Black sent two dudes to cut off his own performer's thumb, and that ended up on America's Most Wanted. You know, and I like it. They, they expand, you know, expanded west of Philadelphia and got Shane Douglas involved after ECW yep. was gone. Kind of shit. Yeah, Freeland. If you mm-hmm. only know bits and pieces about this, I'm I'm really excited about this Dark Side of the Ring episode. Yes, because like this company really only existed from like '99 to like. 05 maybe and that they had very seldom shows in between specifically once they tried to expand east from california and it just it really didn't work but i'm very intrigued about all of this like and the fact i get youtube video recommendations from cultaholic and shit like that like you know to the fact that we could you know at some point sabu wants to do a part two i would really like to ask him some questions about this just because oh me too trust me trust me it's such a fucked up thing that I want mm-hmm. details from someone who was there. <laughs> okay, Freeland, back to you. Me and Anton are taking on too much. Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of taking this all in. There, there's so many things here. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of my retort to the writ by, uh, you know, he taunts me with this damn Kenny Omega figure thing. All right, listen, Anton, you seem to be the guy who has the in on everything. You're the guy that's in the prison that can get to the shit. You are the Morgan Freeman, right? You're red. Okay, you know what's up. Pack of smokes, whatever it takes. So let me ask you this. What does it take to be able to find out what stores have the figures and how can we get these at a reasonable price? Because right now, the Ritz looking for a brandy. You're looking yeah. for brandy, right, Rit? So we finally had some more come in the other day, like some the noon version of Nick and Jack. We had a Darby the other day. We, we had a few in, and then the following day when I went back, they were all gone again. Still yet to see a brandy. I can ask them to scan it and tell me when our trucks are coming in and when those things should be coming in on our truck. And then I... I live 20 minutes up the road from the Walmart I work at. I actually live in a different county with a different Walmart that's a college town, but they never seem to have any either. There's actually four fucking Walmarts within like a half hour, hour distance of me. I could call some people and ask. So, but even the, like the two I found for Rick that he, you know, PayPal'd me for and I got to him ASAP. I didn't see any again for months, and then when I saw them again, I saw the MJF that I grabbed, and then I don't see them for another month or so, and then they're there again. They come in at really weird times, and with the fact that I work overnights, people come in and just raid them when the fuck I'm not there. Yeah. Yes. I know. When when are we doing that deal? When are we doing that deal? I want to find another one. I want to find another one of these. (laughs) I want to find another one. Hey, if you want... This is absolutely nauseating for me. Do you understand this? This is like... If you want, I'll throw this in too. Damn. Is that a different MJF doll? Yeah, that's the regular one. That's just the regular one that you can get damn near anywhere. And I got the one when it's dark. Wait a minute, hold it. Don't, don't, don't just say that you can get damn near anywhere. Because first well, of all, I, I live in damn near anywhere. And I can't find it. That's the one you're supposed to be able to just fucking find, all right? Oh, so. you guys are just whining about everything. I'm in... Like yeah, just outside he, of Toronto, and I can't an find option. shit. He doesn't even have a fucking option. 
Where are you, by the way? Are you on the side of the road? Like I, I get this... outside his house because the kids are. Sleeping. I'm outside of my house. Well, can you give us a little panoramic here? Can we get a little scenery here? Let's see what, what we got here. Okay, good. Okay. See, right. yeah, I'm not outside the crack house like you were thinking. Of, I wasn't thinking I'm... that. Well, I, I just hear. I just. You must live on a very busy road because I hear a lot of cars go by. Well, let me show you here. Nothing. There we go. That's that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, Russo. Turn your phone the yes. other way. Yeah, turn your phone the other way. Turn it, turn it so it's like laying no, on no. its back. Not up and down. Hor- uh, horizontal. <laughs> there you go. Whee! Oh, there there we, we go. go. Now we're cooking with oil here. Okay. Why did you turn good. it back? <laughs> okay, sorry. Am I yeah, good Yeah, there you go. Yeah. N- well, n- fucking, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm tech, you know, stupid. Calm I down, think- Jerry. After you know, after he shaved his beard, he kind of looks like a a Cyrus from uh, from the the uh, the leader of the oddities a little bit from uh, WWE Attitude Era. Let me tell you something, Mike Freeland. I'm telling you, I like it. I like it. I like it. So here's okay. the deal: if anybody finds any AEW action figures, um, Venmo and all that kind of stuff is all based upon your email, right? So I'd be more than happy to email people. And actually throw in a few extra bucks just for their time and effort. Or if somebody can drop ship, same thing goes. Cash will be on your cell phone literally in a matter of seconds. If anybody can help me. I just don't want to be spending 40 and 50 fucking dollars on these action figures. I went to a, a trader's world. It's a, it's a flea market, right? These guys were literally, literally just reaming me with, with a whole fit. I was getting fisted here. And they're like $65. And then there was a John Moxley with a Mox t-shirt when yeah. he like used the champagne bottle when he was going to join the- That's uh, the rare one, you motherfucker. Holy. You should have bought that one. You should have fucking bought that one. I am yelling at you on this one. It was $55. God damn it, Freeland. What the fuck? But it was open. No, it wasn't. It was perfect. Wait, what? It was the one Same. where- yeah. Freeland, I would have sent you the Kenny Omega that way. Freeland, I'm a little worried because I heard you I heard Freeland say he was gonna do himself with a bottle. Is that right? I'm I'm not sure. It was Welch's grape juice. But that's not no. the point. The point is this. Here, here's the thing. I just don't I, I, I don't have the capital. I I'd be willing to go 25, 30. But these guys are wanting way too much money. Way too much money. Well, like, I can feel it's like, an investment. Even this rare one was twenty bucks. Like after it was nineteen, whatever. Then after my discount, it ends up being less than the price tag. <laughs> right. So if anybody well, finds I, these things on the shelf, let me know. I will. I'll continue to look for you. I appreciate that. And by the way, I, I really want to show some love to uh, to Christopher Butt, which I'm not really quite. <laughs> that didn't sound right. Um, I want to promote what he has made. So. There's very few of these that have been made in existence, and I am one of the lucky few to have these. If you've seen us talk about these, these are the FRM pod posters that were made. So the front row material, the extra crispy wings for ECW, not only that, but we have the Cult of Beardo. I've got a Cult of Beardo, and I've got the official Mikey You Will Be Humbled one as well. So Christopher makes these things. So if you are interested in this, 
you definitely need to reach out to Christopher Butt. Find out what his thoughts are on this because I have been told in DMs that people are very interested in having the official FRM pod set so you can have your beverage as you watch the show. I want to know how much of your soul you have to sell to get it with shipping from Canada. See, guess what? I don't have to sell that much because I get it for like three bucks. You can go get one. Yeah, you're neighbors with Christopher, so you can probably go have lunch with him like the Ritz is supposed to have. Do you think we're all within a two-hour radius here in this great country? I'm not really quite sure. Okay, I'm about two hours from him. Well, that's not that bad. That's a small jaunt. You guys can set some time up for a brunch. Sure, sure. Like Edge and Rhino. See, he added me on social media the other day, so it's all going to just keep going from there. And then maybe we can do a simulcast at some point. I like that. We should try to get – We should try to get. does anyone have the butts number right now? Rich? I do not. Rich, you got the butts number? You can't call Canada without being charged $67.95 son of a shit. Are you, are you seriously are – you, are you playing with my taint? Listen, listen. No, send no, send me not. a private send me a private message. I'm gonna call the butt right now. Wait, wait. You have the butt's number? No, no you have the butt's number. No, You're I don't. You're gonna DM it. How do you not you have think, his number? Do so you think we, we all have on, each other's DM numbers? On Twitter, we that's it. Well, you're all in. You're all neighbors in a way, aren't you? I'm not his neighbor. He lives two hours from me, dude. Oh, this is ridiculous. I can't. You know what? Holy fuck, Fraylin, let's go. That's right. I'm going to get a hold of Christopher Butt right now. I mean, right now. Uh, what's your... Butt is working. But so, on the note of the ladies match, I believe that truly, like in Cornette's case, he says some shit to just get a reaction. He really does. Oh, and sure he does. Ways, he is stuck in 1980. You know, he doesn't really mm. want to see women go put on an actual match and bleed. In so many ways, he doesn't. Like, let's be real about it. You know, but to take the cheap shots at Kentucky sometimes, I was born in Louisville. Like, every time you're like, fuck, fucking Kentucky. I'm like, I, like, I don't really like being from here, but I am from here. See, so. here's the thing. I think Corny, sometimes he, you know, plays it up a little bit. But I think he's got his heart in the right place. He wants to see his business do, do well. as well but as it possibly can. Like, it, it isn't isn't the same business. It's evolved so much from when he fell in love with it and got involved. Right, that, like, but, but but Anton, the basics never go out of style. That, that's valid. I will give you that. You know, the whole Thank you. When, you're, when you think you're slow, when you think you're going slow enough, slow down even more. Even Orton right. said that. Like, so, no, I, I will agree. You know, there, right. there are reasons why I champion Jake Roberts and Raven to this day, psychology-wise. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When, when uh, AEW was starting up, Tony Khan went to Jim Cornette as one of his men that he made sure he talked to before he started up his promotion and say, Hey, how can I do this properly? And when Corny heard everything that Tony Khan was saying, he said, well, I can't be a part of this. I can't have my name put on this at all. I mean, and that's the way it went. But he signed his name to so many other ridiculous fucking things, even like mm. secretly. Like, mm. and we know this. <laughs> mm. And there he goes. Okay. No. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Hold on a second. Hold on. Oh Hold my on. lord. What what just happened here? Hold on. Hold Come on. on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm working on this here. Uh how dare I think, you? 
I'm not doing anything. Hold on a second. I we will get, bring him back. Hold on, give me a second. Uh, my screen is doing weird stuff. Hold on a second. Uh, I'm gonna try to do something here. So hold your ass and hang tight. Let's I'm not holding here. it. Have you guys uh, communicated with uh, with Boog? I've talked to Boog. Yeah. Are you are you a big Boog fan? Boog all the way, man. Love me some Boog. Oh man, speaking of Boog, good lord, can we get an open? He just messaged that. Yeah, we need an open. Well, I tell you what, I have an idea. I have an idea, and I hope that this is Boogalicious. Ha, just came up with that. Boog, do me a big favor, homie. Go ahead and check your email, my friend. So, I am- uh... Mr. I'm all Freeland. about I'm all about sharing the love. Yes. Can we uh can we talk about the uh the pay-per-view Fastlane? Let's talk about Fastlane before we bring in our guests back in. Andrew Dice Clay is is, is going to be he's he's in the waiting room right now. He'll be Andrew coming Dice back in Clay. here. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about Fastlane here really quickly. So Rit, what was your take on Fastlane? Man, I've, all the matches the only one that sticks out is the Orton Alexa Bliss match, and the ending was phenomenal. So, walk me through what is the storyline with the Alexa Bliss Randy Orton situation to catch everybody up on who may not be familiar with what's going on here, and how did all this play out? Oh, well, let's see here. Start off with uh, we're gonna do this fast forward here. Uh, what was it? Uh, okay. I think I think Alexa not all Bliss, at once. That well, it's been a minute. Alexa Bliss sat there and shot Orton with the fire fireball. Orton set uh, the fiend on fire. Uh, Alexa Bliss has been mind fucking Orton for the past several weeks. Uh, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, they had a match at Fastlane. Uh, Jason Voorhees, AAA, uh, The Fiend, came back. And uh, Alexa Bliss straddled Randy Orton to pin him. Now, when we say straddled, let's kind of, let's, let's, let's delve a little bit further into this here. Mm, um, when we, w- was it intended to be a sexual thing? Or oh, was no. this, uh, no. It, to me, it was more along the lines of they wanted to get the pose at the end of Orton, you know, getting pinned, her strat on, and then the fiend over top of her, like standing behind her. It was innocent. And it, it was, man, that they had, WWE had to hire the top people to make the fiend look the way he did. What did you think about the fiend's outfit? Did you like the costume? Did you not like the costume? What was your take? Amazing. Really? Yes, for, for as much as I argued with Big Daddy Beardo that the whole I set him on fire, what can you do next? The one up, this son of a bitch. And well, man, when they brought him back, his 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 gear, it, it looks like he was actually set on fire, the mask and all. Okay, I have a couple of uh, 
things that I would like to mention as far as this whole fiend situation is concerned. I'm, I'm drawing a direct connection to something that I've seen in the past, and I may be dating myself when I make this reference, but I'm going to see if I can pull... Ah, oh, damn it. Let me see if I can do this. Uh, okay, there we go. Let's see. Keep talking, everyone. I'm trying to trying to get something. Hello, technical. hello, okay. hello. Uh, let me see. Okay, let me see if I can pull this up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull up a picture of thy fiend. Oh, 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 hold on a second. While that is happening. Oh, scratch that. Never mind. I thought something was happening, but it's not happening. Why is my side of the, the production always a shit show? I like I, I things on my screen are moving. It's like I'm having a stroke. I'm not really quite sure. Well, probably because we, you're having a stroke. We do have a production truck there, Big Daddy Beardo. Big Daddy Beardo, if you can hear me, can you throw a picture of the fiend up on the screen? Not to put you on the spot or anything, but you know. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I would do it if I could. I just. I just I I don't know how the hell I would do that. Um, let's he, see. He said two seconds. Oh, he can do that. Yeah. So. All right. I'm gonna. Okay. I I'm gonna pull something up here. I, I personally think the fiend's costume looked cool. Um, I like the way they brought him back. However, what I will say in addition to that, here we go. This, I mean, he gave us the whole. He gave us the yeah, whole Google was, search there. Yeah. Um, oh, that doesn't help either. So <laughs> I was going to try to bring up a picture of the Fiend. I thought the, the Fiend itself looked really good, in my opinion. Um, I thought that the aspect of the Fiend was a little hard to believe. I mean, we are really, really starting to stretch the bounds here of wrestling. I feel like WWE is going too much Hollywood. Now, would you there. agree with that? Do you think they're getting so far away from wrestling that it's becoming just so much more of a theatrical performance that it's not, it's not really doing a whole lot for the, the wrestling fans themselves. You know what that's a product of? It's a product of COVID. The problem is that we're going bl to, we're blaming COVID here. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. They still until WrestleMania, they don't have fans there, right? So right. what they what they have to do is try to. It's almost it's almost like they're just trying to, you know, keep going until WrestleMania so they can just kind of draw stuff out. And it's a problem of COVID. This is the problem. They have so many things they want to do that were in the pipeline that Vince was thinking. Oh well, we can make movies. And here's the perfect opportunity, and they can't do it normally. So, so, so here is the picture of the of the. Okay, there it was. Okay, we 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 had the picture of the fiend up there on the screen, and then and then it was not. Um, I like it, but I don't like the whole concept of it becoming so theatrical. If we're getting too far away from what it should be about which is the matches itself i get the storytelling but i'm not really feeling all of this Rick, would you agree this is this is going a little too over the top the undertaker aspect of it was one thing but this is different yeah 
like I, I'm just curious of okay after of course it's going to happen at Mania, Orton versus the Fiend. I'm what what do you do after that? Is this going to be his you know look from now on? You know, you, you, you can you go back to Bray Wyatt himself? You know, it, it's just a whole bunch of questions that, you know, hopefully will get answered. But there's, there's, he looks phenomenal. The way he came back, great. But it all goes back to my conversation with Big Daddy Beardo. What's next? You know, yeah. what's what's after this? Where do you go from here? I mean, wow. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So on one side, you have AEW who's trying to do a lot of just, I would say, high-level matches, entertaining matches for the fans. And then, unfortunately, with WWE, you're getting a lot more of just the, the Hollywood side of things. Do you think there's a good middle ground between these two where, where fans can appreciate both of them, where they don't necessarily feel like what they enjoy is becoming kind of a mockery? Oh, I kind of think you get that in ROH, where it's just pure wrestling. And, you know, there's there's not a lot of mic time, you know, but and there's not, and there's no movie time. An ROH. Right. So, I, I, is there a blend you can do where it helps everybody? I don't, I don't know if you can, because you're always going to have people complain. No, no matter what, you can give everybody exactly what they want and they're still find a way to complain about it. Right. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, let me bring in our guys here before we go ahead and we, uh, we do a send off here. Where did uh, where did he go? I don't fucking know. Did did he just jump off again? I was gonna I was putting him back in here. Uh, guys, I do want to let you know we appreciate you hanging in here with us once again. Earlier in the show, we talked to Sabu and Jeannie, uh, amazing people. You know, it's 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 really interesting. A lot of times they say, "Don't meet uh, your heroes because you will be disappointed," and don't meet people that you really admire because chances are you will be disappointed. I can honestly tell you that is not the case with these two. These two are as about as down to earth and just kind people as it comes. They love the business itself and they just want to perform. And they have had some tremendous adversities, uh, not only with COVID itself, like Jeannie was talking about, but also with, with her leg. Um, so great interview. They are going to come back for a part two. So please stay tuned for further developments when that will be happening. We do have a bunch of people who have DM'd me. I'm very excited to mention that there's more people that are going to be coming on the show from the wrestling world and maybe some new news that I'll be able to release as well in the very near future. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's go around the horn here really quickly. What are you hoping? We're going to start off, obviously, uh, you're, you're calling yourself dumb fuck now? Is that what that? Yeah, that well, I, I went out of the link, so yeah. I'm dumb fuck. All right. So, so Vince Russo Jr., what are you looking forward to this week in wrestling? What are you looking forward to? And why is it the Yankees? Uh, you know what? Uh, wrestling, I'm not really finding a lot to uh, be excited about in the next few weeks. Um, 
AEW is showing a little bit of improvement. Um, I found that the main event of last week's Dynamite was actually pretty pretty decent. Um, but like I was saying before, it's kind of a bit of a, you know, the problem with Tony Khan, I, fi- I feel, is that he's doing a bit of a, uh, you know, gimmick match every week or every other week. And I don't know if that's maybe the best road to take. I understand as far as ratings and all that, but you know, it was, it was interesting. Um, they're a little spastic and a little bipolar with their booking. Sometimes I feel, but, um, uh, NXT, I used to be the biggest fan of NXT, but they've become very boring and very complacent. It's just kind of a paint by numbers show. At least Dynamite does a little different. That's just me though. No, I agree. And, um, Jesus, where can people follow you if they want to follow you? What is your social media? How can they reach out to you? Do you accept DMs? And um, if I bring you water, can you help me? I don't know if anybody can help you right now. That's just the way it is. Even Jesus, like myself. However, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I am at Savage Liam. Uh, Facebook, I guess, uh, Savage Liam 1978. Uh, that's about it. Damn Instagram, you know, all that crap. Very, very nice. And so, um, are, can we assume a haircut is, is going to be in the near future as well to, uh, no, 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 you can't no? because you know what the thing is, yeah. they haven't opened up stuff enough along, along here in Ontario to negate me being able to get a regular haircut. Right. So yeah, it's probably not in the uh, pipeline any, anytime soon. So how long are how long is your hair right now? I mean, if if it's one to soccer mom, where are we at right now? There we go. Wow, look at that! You got the bread. You got the bread heart. You know, you just wear that yeah. leather jacket. Ah, na, 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 na. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Oh man, let's hope the name. Yeah. Um. Well, so if you want to follow Liam Savage, it's Savage Liam on Twitter, and you can follow him on Facebook as well. I'm sure you put. I hate these head. I hate these earbuds. This is some shit right here. Dollar General. Oh, fucked up. It's fucked up. Follow Liam Savage. Liam, thank you so very much for joining us. I realize I took you uh, out of your nice warm home to hang out on your driveway in front of the interstate. But I appreciate it. It's freezing that. cold right now. I am fucking yeah. freezing. All thanks well, to you. Thanks a fucking bunch. Yeah, you're in Canada. So you know what? Yes. Yeah, I'm dying. Yes. Yeah. Tell, tell yeah. Disco I said hi. All right, so... We're done with Jesus slash AKA uh, Vince Russo. We will bring him back for yet another week. Let's throw it over to Anton. Uh, Anton, where can people follow you and talk to you if they want to talk anything wrestling with you? New Japan, all Japan. Uh, I don't even know. JCW. (laughs) Anything. Hentai. Yep. No. (laughs) Anton Heidnick on Twitter. I-P-H-I-L. Rotten. I feel rotten on instagram i got my first paid for recording and beat placement where on a record i produced track eight carousel i made the beat recorded the first verse and recorded the course to it dude only pressed 100 copies of them they come with a little sticker as well if you want the link to that that's on my twitter actually they're like 13 bucks after shipping so but only 100 physicals pressed up so that's cool um that's uh that the fiend thing made me think of Jason Takes Manhattan from the moment I saw every fucking bit of that. 
Black yes. Band, the outfit, all of it. The kid, just everything. The straddled by Alexa Bliss thing, I heard Orton's wife's kind of pissed about, but can't argue with the boss. That's what Vince said, do do it. But yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to AEW. That's the only live wrestling I watch every week. Nice. I like the finish of Fast Lane because I think we're setting up for a triple set with threat with Edge, Reigns, and Brian. That should be decent. What's your take on the Peacock, uh, the, the transition? Are you liking it, or is it kind of clunky? It's a little clunky. They don't have everything yet by any means. Only Raw from, like, 08 to, like, February, most recent February, so they're missing a lot of stuff. They did say roughly SummerSlam. So I've even tweeted them already and was like, I will give you time to fix this, but the only ECW they have is Anarchy Rules 99, 2000, Barely Legal, and CyberSlam 96. Uh, they only have a handful of ECW thing or WCW things up at the moment. They uh, they got a lot of work to do, and it also doesn't have that skip through feature where you could just skip to certain matches. Oh my god! Yeah. And how much are you paying for this? Nine ninety nine? Yeah, it, it's nine. Oh, if you enter Peacock Mania, you get it for six months for two ninety nine. My supervisor boss told me this yesterday or Sunday night after I'd already paid the nine ninety nine a month for it. So yeah, you can get it for six months for two ninety nine if you enter Peacock Mania as your code. Just saying. <laughs> Remember, Anton told you what the code is so you can get yeah. WWE content on Peacock Network for $2.99 per month like for the first six months. Yeah. There you go, Freeland. Every Harry Potter movie on there. They got some other shit like the season eight of Blacklist episodes five through ten. They got some shit on there. I am going to give them a plug. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> we like plugging people. Anything else you want to plug, my friend? I'm still working on the Buzz Balls commercial. I need to get some more so I can make some, take some more shots, like video shots of them because I fucked up when I was doing. Uh huh. There, it's yeah. it's fantastic yeah. stuff. I talked oh, to them. It is a fantastic product. They whip my ass though. So yeah. it, I, I, don't don't drink more than like one of them. I talked to uh, I talked to their marketing department, and they are such an incredible company, an incredible company, and they get back to you immediately. So we were working on something to uh, to team up with them. So. More news in the future about that, but I do appreciate you uh, working on it with us. ECW fan also said in the words of Mikey, don't use the coupon. No, no, fuck that, because Peacock's not right yet. Fuck that. Use the coupon on that Coupon. Coupon it. I'm trying to save you some fucking money, damn it. Freeland the shit out of that. All right, so everybody, keep your eyes out for me too, okay? Your your friendly bearded friend in Cincinnati. I need figures. I'll go back tomorrow night. I'll keep an eye out for you. Also, where's our open? Yeah, good point. We didn't really do one, did we? Oh, man, that just leaves you and me. We started this dance almost three hours ago. Now it's just you and I again. Just the two of us, my man. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. I've heard yeah. better. Yeah. Who, who sings that? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I forget off the top of my head. Whoever it is, you should let them do it. Oh! Oh! Wow. 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 Rit, tell people where they can follow you if they'd like to continue this conversation on social media. I've got this this week at underscore the underscore Rit with two T's. Uh, you can also uh, hit up at uh, Cult of Beardo on Twitter. Just started that up. Uh, you're, you can also see me and Big Daddy Beardo, the Butt and Groberg, starting next week, next Thursday, April 1st. Cult of Beardo. The relaunch. Yeah. Ooh. 
We might have to, we might have to throw, throw that voice on there. We're going to have to do that because I can't wait to meet this Groberg guy. Why do I feel like he looks like a Muppet? I have no idea, but just with that name, I feel like he should be made of felt. But uh, I, I, regardless, Beardo is the man. I love Big Daddy Beardo. Um, he has worked his ass off. There's so many things that he does behind the scenes that people are not aware of. Um, so very much follow him on social media as well. Uh, follow him at Big Daddy Beardo. You can DM him. He loves talking wrestling with people as well. He loves talking about craft beers. Just a great dude overall. So I want to make sure I show love to him. Uh, and, for and don't forget does. his uh, love for cereal on his uh, other podcast he does. Big Daddy Beardo has a cereal podcast? Uh, they taste test cereal. I might have to check that out one night. I might have it, to check that out. No one knows cereal like Freeland. Especially if it's free. Okay. All right. We're really quite sure we were going in that direction. But guess what? You can also have a spoon. Um, for the guys who are still out right now, but I, I do hope one day they will be back joining us again. I wish them nothing but all the best and the happiness. I would like to thank Sabu and Jeannie. I would also like to thank Anton. I'd like to thank Vince Russo Jr. and his love for the Yankees. I'd love to thank Hide My Dick, who is the man who, who kind of ties a lot of this stuff together. He, he knows wrestling, he knows history, he knows grunge, he knows pop, he knows rock. He knows all that stuff, and he is the man that we go to for a little bit of everything. I'd like to thank Boog as well. I tried to hit up Boog to get him on here. It looks like he, unfortunately, was not able to join the chat. And uh, for our favorite, favorite drinker from the North, I'm not going to call him an alcoholic. He is Christopher Butt. God, we missed you so much. I hope you were doing well at work or just listening to us at work. Regardless, for the writ, I am Mike Freeland. That is going to do it. We'll catch you next week on Front Row Material.